What's up, Power Project fam? This episode is brought to you by Element Electrolytes. Speaking of Element Electrolytes, I actually wanted to ask you, Ensema, you being all jacked and tan and all strong and pretty, uh, <laughs> do you take your Element Electrolytes pre or post-workout? I actually take it uh, pre, during, and post. Oh. And sometimes I'll do more than one pack. So if I finish the pack of Element that I had during like my workout or my jujitsu session, I'll pop out another one, sometimes post. And that hydration really helps my recovery. Because sometimes after you get done with a really hard workout when you are sweating a lot, you feel sore, you feel kind of tired, and you feel mm-hmm. drained. There is absolutely no problem with taking more than one pack of Element. Yeah, I'm really interested in trying it like uh, intro workout, right? I've always I've always been one of those guys that's like, oh, you got to have your, your pre-workout and then your post-workout. And in the middle, it's like usually water or something, right? Mm-hmm. But now with Element Electrolytes, from what Rob Wolf told us about how it like maintains strength and all this other just amazing benefits, I'm just, I'm really stoked about it. And uh, if you guys want to be like us, we actually like getting the value bundle because you essentially get a box for free. But if you're not ready to fully commit, Element is still offering you guys a free Element recharge pack. So that's an eight sample pack. All you have to do is cover the shipping. Um, you can do so by heading over to drinklmnt.com slash power project. Again, it's absolutely free. You just have to cover shipping. Make sure you guys go there and check it out right now. What up, Power Project crew? This is Josh Setledge, a.k.a. Settlegate. Here to introduce you to our next guest, Ben Patrick. Ben Patrick is the knees over toes guy. He is also the CEO and founder of the Athletic Truth Group. Athletic Truth Group, or ATG, is a gym and online coaching company based out of Clearwater Beach, Florida. ATG is the first of its kind, being the first online gym in the world to coach athletes form and technique seven days a week. Ben had previously struggled with knee and shin pain for years during his basketball career. After several surgeries, Ben dedicated himself to researching and discovering the best methods to recover from his injuries, as well as bulletproof his knees and ankles to allow him to perform at an even higher level before his injuries and surgeries. Ben was personally mentored and influenced by the late, great Charles Poliquin and credits Charles as his original influence for the knees over toes method. Through his unique training methods, Ben went from having an artificial kneecap surgically repaired quad tendon, replaced meniscus, a torn MCL and ACL, extreme patellar tendon pain, and knee bursitis to being able to rehab his injuries and work back to a 40-inch vertical jump, improved performance on the basketball court, and 100% pain-free knees. But you guys probably don't want to hear about that because that's a different story. Please enjoy this conversation with Ben Patrick. feels like a warm hug. (laughs) It feels like... like a me. warm hug amongst four men. Three yes. Men. Four men. <laughs> four hot men. L- l- let me tell you what happens. Five I, men, I guess we got in here, yeah. I immediately <laughs> want to call my mom, and I say this every time, I want to call my mom and tell her I love her. Wow. That's, 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 that's actually all true. I want to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Like, I want to call her and tell her I love her, and have I want to give everybody hugs. I have. No good for not, you. Not today, but I will what? do that later. I, it's too early in the morning. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I'll do it later today. <laughs> you got to wait a little bit, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, we're rolling. What? Yep. yep. When? Soon. We're going now? In the past future. All right, let's light it up with some mind bullet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Here we go. Now it's a party. I took the capsules. I can't do. You may those. want to start with half. Yeah, potentially. half. Half seeds. He should do full. Oh my <laughs> God. God. He'll guys. be fine. He's all fired. I feel up, like he'll be fine. Okay. And down the hatch, mm-hmm. all three with a shot of mind bullet potion. <sighs> 
if he turns into a wolf, I'm going to be the first one to run out of the room. <laughs> He's like, wait, really? He's like, huh? <laughs> no, nah, I'm pretty sure he could catch you, bro. He'll just jump to the oh, other yeah, side yeah. of the room and get you. Oh, yeah. He'll catch me in a heartbeat for sure. <laughs> this is dope. I'm looking forward to studying up on this. Seeing, yeah, yeah. seeing what happened. Yeah, after you already took it, right? I, I realized I was sipping it before you guys, and I'm like, wait, should I? <laughs> it's just like the new guy prank. It's like, like we yeah. came out, and we didn't actually drink exactly. any Exactly. No, right. we, we drank it. All right, well, let's, uh, let's get to the bottom of this. You know, I know a lot of people out there, we recently had the back doctor of all back doctors uh, on our show, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, we're trying to help people out. You know, we're helping people with their nutrition or helping people with their training. Uh, but a lot of people run into injuries. They run into lower back. It's really common. I think shoulders are pretty common. But we see a lot of people with banged up knees. And mm-hmm. you've been studying this and working on this for quite some time, right? Yeah. Since I was 12, really, it's when, like, I knew I was different than other kids when I was 12. I remember, like, a fire alarm at school and being like, you know, I can't run. Like, I have to mm-hmm. be, like, by 12, I had to be, like, warmed up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned me before the podcast, you had problems from 13 to 16. By 18, I had, you know, three different surgical alterations in my knee. Jeez. Takes your joy away. For me, it was basketball. Yeah. So, nothing I loved more than basketball. Nothing I hated more than that because it just represented so much pain. Mm-hmm. So, you're 12 years old, and when they have a fire drill, you're, like, thumbing through Kelly Sturette's book and, like, hold on, I need to do exactly. these mobility Pretty drills, much. and let me do a couple jumping jacks, and then I can join the rest of you. Pretty much. I remember at, at 14 having like early morning high school practices, I'd have to get there half an hour before everyone else. My nickname was old man. Like mm-hmm. the coach called me old man, you know, cause by 14 I had to, it took me like half an hour just to be able to like get warmed up. Mm. Yeah. Now like we could, like you want to run, like we, you want to race, can, like right. We could just race. You right, can you go know? at it right away. Exactly. So it just, man, it just stops. Yeah. It gives you your joy back of what you like to do. That's let's, it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about pain because I think that, Pain is something that is really underestimated, and I think um, Phil DeRue has pointed this out before. We've had him, him on the show, and he works with a lot of fighters, and uh, he just talked about how how much pain blocks so many different things that we do, and we don't even realize it, and also just how uh, demoralizing it can be at a young age like that mm-hmm. when the rest of your buddies are playing basketball or chucking a football around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at lunchtime, randomly, they're chucking around a football, and you you know, you feel like you can't participate. Yep. Um, it's fucking depressing. You know, being hurt is depressing. And as we mature and as we, you know, grow older and as we start to, you know, get into powerlifting or bodybuilding or jujitsu and you tear something or you get hurt severely, um, you're kind of reduced to nothing. Like mm-hmm. you feel on top of the world, you have this kind of big ego, you feel really good about what you're able to do, all your capabilities. And then in an instant, it feels like it's all taken away from you. And, and now you have to deal with this and try to manage this pain all the time. What was the pain like for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, as a kid, it's like this chronic pain. You're told, oh, it's growing pain. So it's, you know, rub this on it or, you know what I mean? Go to every doctor and this and that. And, and like, it's just still there. Then you start to have, boom, something happens. You're like, something happened. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now you're like hobbling around months are going by like shit i need to see a doctor you know what i mean so i think it messed up probably my hormones yeah i think i was so depressed Mm. because of that i think it probably messed up a lot of stuff through those ages so yeah the the pain it's like dude we're we're human i love i love so many of your quotes because it's like life is not just this freaking fairy tale you ever seen a birth 
Like, <laughs> holy shit, is life beautiful? But holy shit, is it not a freaking yeah, fairy? T- like, I, it's it's I more magical yeah. than we think it is, right, but it's yeah. also, like, more, like, severe mm-hmm. and fucking hard. Well, either one of those people could die in that instant, and it wouldn't surprise you. I mean, it would be shocking and horrifying, yeah. but it you would be like, well, yeah, it seems very, like, a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's something that has to be confronted. My approach on it now is like, so like I don't touch any kind of foam rollers or any kind of body treatment or any kind of creams to rub on or any kind. Like I want to know my pain. Like I want to know any possible pain I have. That's like your, that's like your signal from your body saying like, Hey, here's an area to to handle. And then it really started changing for me when I started realizing not only was that pain showing me where I had an issue, but actually where I had more potential. Wherever you have that pain, start thinking about it differently. It's like, don't don't run from that pain. Quit trying to shut that. Your body's talking to you. It's a two-way communication. But we're usually in just in a one-way with our body. Body says something, shut the up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Squash that. No, the, the, your body's trying to tell you where you have an issue. And that could actually, you could get better from that. Because now, now you handle that and you find out weak points in there. Now you're total. So for me, it was like the, the jumping thing. So in basketball, dude, if, I mean... You see, I'm not, I'm not six six. You know, <laughs> um, to make it as a basketball player, yeah, you're short, and you can't. Like, I couldn't jump. My, I think my muscles didn't develop right from the knee pain. So I had a 19 inch vertical. That was like the best. I, I couldn't get over that 20 inch mark. Okay, <laughs> really bad for a basketball player. Yeah. Um. So I had long given up it's on part of being white as well. <laughs> it's not being able to jump. <laughs> Well, he might change that. It's, it's Absolutely now, no right? comment. <laughs> so they made a whole movie on it. It was based on a true story See? of all of our lives. No, all right. no comment. Someone that, that was the intern. All right. So, dude, I had long given up on the idea of dunking. You know, I the best I got to was like scraping the little thing that that holds the net. You know, and it's like ooh, mm. touch the rim. You know what I mean? Like touching the little scoopy below mm-hmm. the rim was yeah. like the best i got to in high school so man i had long given up on that then as i started figuring out my knees i started being able to play basketball again i couldn't play 17 you you told me you couldn't play like 13 14 15 in that 13 area through 16 yeah yeah i was just pushing through the pain until eventually because of uh different surgeries and whatnot like then if i would go play once it was like too much swelling too much you know so I wasn't playing 18, 19, 20. So then 21 started getting back able to play. That's when I really started conquering my my knees. Mm-hmm. And then some buddies were like, you know, after a bit, maybe like six months of this kind of training, some buddies were like, dude, I think you could dunk. And I was like, you know, immediately laughed. Like, yeah, right. You know what I mean? Sure enough, like I could fucking dunk. Like I didn't, like it just happened. Was that putting on maybe almost uh, like 15, 20 inches on your vertical? Like, is that nearly doubling well, your vertical or? At this point, yeah. So, you know, you can just barely dunk and you dunk. Now it's like, you know, like real easy enough that when I play, like if I get open, boom, it's coming down like two hands. So, you know, there's a progression of like, mm-hmm. you know, with no one there and, you know, hand just over the rim. But, but yeah, so I mean, really from training and then just jumping, you know what I mean? It wasn't from all the plyometrics I was doing that actually like destroyed my knees and, you know, um, so that all, that changed it for me as well. And I think it gave me an opportunity. I, I looked at it, I was like, this is an opportunity to make handling pain cool, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, everything I do is, um, 
it's dude i'm not like knees over toes everything i do is just a calculated effort to try to help people handle. I want to pain. stay on this topic of pain just for a little bit longer. So, you know, just for everybody out there listening, you know, um, sometimes, you know, uh, sometimes we get an accumulation of something that everyone can see, like when people gain body fat. Mm-hmm. Um, and clearly that ends up being a weakness for some people, people that have excess amounts of body fat, you can kind of think, okay, well, they struggle with, they have a hard time with their food, you know, with pain, you can't really see <laughs> someone's pain. It's also really hard to like judge someone's pain. Um, again, mm. with different people being different sizes, you could see someone that's 200 pounds, 300 pounds and so on. And it's very, it's very clear to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you have pain, it's very difficult to kind of see like what kind of pain someone's in. But I love what you said about like, kind of leaning into it and recognizing like, this is a really cool opportunity mm. because this is a, this is a weak uh, chain in my system. And exactly. uh, you know, you're only strong as your weakest link. And so if I can play basketball and I can do all kinds of things, how good am I if I can't um, be quick or if I can't cut or if I can't mm-hmm. jump very well? Mm-hmm. It seems like jumping is a major requirement of basketball. You would have to start to maybe think about a different sport, but even all sports require a good first step and they require you to be quick and nimble and stuff. So you're kind of left with not a whole lot if you have that pain sitting in there. So attacking it seems to be the number one thing to to really focus on for you you mentioned plyometrics and we see a lot of uh, coaches when they coach volleyball or they coach these sports that require some jumping skills uh they have the athletes jump more <laughs> and you're kind of like maybe we should get these people in the weight room like maybe there's a better way uh what was the way for you what what helped you the most was it going in and, and like lifting weights or oh, what yeah. was the, what was the big difference for you Oh yeah. So that was the big shift for me was probably through, you know, all the way through 18, 19, you know, like I was already bombed out, finished high school, no recruitment, you know? Um, and I was trying all these treatments, you know what I mean? The amount of money I probably spent on supplements for my knees is like embarrassing. Like, thank goodness. Like, like my mom works for me now. I pay her very well. (laughs) Okay. But so now I feel like I'm like getting back in exchange with my parents, but the amount of crap i put them through with my knees is absurd Mm. but it was all on treatment not once along that chain did anyone ever say you know bro your knees have very little ability but if we look at every study in history ability is only a good thing the more pain-free ability we have in an area the less chance of pain and injury like life could still be if i jump off a skyscraper my knees are you know exploding (laughs) you know so it's still it's still just like a math equation, but it's trying to put that math equation in our favor. So I saw a guy that, that I know Mark has worked with, Charles Poliquin. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. I think he's one of the biggest geniuses ever. Oh, yeah. He was amazing. Yeah. So I read everything this guy wrote, you know, and there wasn't a ton of visual examples. I'm so excited right now. I love stuff on Charles Poliquin. Yeah. So li- literally like every word that guy's written, I've read it at least like three, four times. Mm-hmm. So wasn't a ton of visual examples. So the he, first guy he talked about nasal breathing. He was the first guy that I saw talk about nasal breathing t- like 20 years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. He's, yeah, he wrote an article called like shut your mouth and train or something like that. Yeah. Um, like if there's anything I could do in my career, it would kind of be to take some of his genius and just make it like super fucking accessible and mm-hmm. just like common knowledge. You know what I mean? But so we go from Charles, but, uh, you know, I couldn't see a lot of visuals. Like, you know, there's not like visuals of him, like training his knees and stuff, <laughs> right. you know? Um, 
So then I saw a guy named Keegan Smith that I saw recommended from Paul Aquin, Australian guy. You know Keegan? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So to this day, Keegan's my strength mentor. We're like super tight. Oh, We're cool. driving up here yesterday. We're on the phone like two and a half hours. Yeah, actually, I remember uh, Charles Pullickman was one of the first guys that I ever heard, too, to talk about having your knees over your toes yeah. and how important it is. He's like, he's like, maybe you want to avoid it if you're, you know, squatting 500 pounds. But he's like, if you're an athlete, you end up in this position all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, exactly. So we're going to have a lot of fun breaking this down because I think some people can see me as like an extremist, but it's actually not that way at all. You know, anyways, so I start seeing videos of Keegan and um, and like I said, to this day, he's my strength mentor he literally certifies people now in knee ability which is what i teach because i'm a i'm in the trenches trainer doing what i do i i don't know anything about certifying other coaches you know mm-hmm. he, he's been leading other coaches for a long time and, and learned that from charles and um so i've spent time now in person with keegan and i spent time in person with charles and you know i was uh you know so prepared for the time i had with charles that i was able to get every question that i had for that guy answered and so much of the gems that he had he did have to save for the higher priced in person this means you can probably work on us and help us you know i I learned from i learned from some really successful guys he had like he had magic he had a magical way of like helping people like heal from injuries yeah through like uh, active release therapy and all kinds of different things yeah no i don't i didn't i recognize my role in it (laughs) and that's not my role my role is getting it like as simple as possible. Yeah. You know, his level of genius was like a whole nother, <laughs> whole nother deal. Right. But, <clears throat> but I got to spend time with him in person, get questions I had answered. Like, I mean, like he trained an Olympic gold medalist long jumper, but you know, it's not like he's written. I mean, that could have been a book in itself, mm. you know, but he, he had to write what the market was going to buy. You know what I mean? And, and he had to reserve certain data for the high, you know, it's about a thousand bucks a day to spend time with this guy, you know? And he, you know, if I looked down when I was like doing an exercise, like he, he hit me a couple of times, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it might not have felt like much to him, but like my jaw was a little bit sore. <laughs> um, he, he was intense. Yeah. Right. Um, so I really got to get everything. I, you know, all the questions I had for him and now, since that point, I, I, I ran my own gym for six years. During Corona, I made the decision. Um, so many people were needing this that in person it was just kind of impossible. And it was still just playing with my heart because I was starting to train NBA guys in person. And, and you know, you can charge bigger numbers and stuff, but it's like, fuck, I was having problems when I was 12. Like, what, like I, I, I go to sleep at night well because I just, my business is just what I wish existed. That's it. I don't go outside of that. I don't take other opportunities. If Mark offered me a million dollars right now, I wouldn't take it. You know, I just do what I wish was there. Mm-hmm. So it's like shit you can just get started with and start doing. And it, and it is the concept of bulletproofing. It's not, you know, I, I, I slept on the wrong side. So I was a little bit, you know, I think oh, I got this one treatment. It was, it, I felt great. And then the next, oh, but the next day it hurt. No, it's like, you're, you're the product of your work. Like we look at those knees. What's your level of pain-free ability? Mm-hmm. That's what we can control 100%. We can control how good we get our pain-free ability, and that puts the odds in our favor, you know? So that's that's what my career is. That's what I'm going to be, you know, diving into tremendous details, putting Mark through 
They've got me scheduled for literally nine videos. I'm, it's going to be a good day. I'm, I'm <laughs> scripted and ready for every single one. <laughs> one of the cameramen actually is going to have like the most torturous workout of his life. He doesn't know, you know, we don't know which one it is. I know which one it is, but um, so it's going to be a good day, but no one's going to work through pain. We're just going to improve pain-free ability. Yeah. So this is something, yeah, if you're a powerlifter and you start trying to drive your knees over your toes, trying to... No one has ever matched powerlifting numbers with their knees over toes. Look at the powerlifting world. Right? Every sport has what you have to do for that sport, and it mm-hmm. puts us at risk. You know. So as Mark was saying, if you're a volleyball player, basketball player, you have to do those jumps for your sport. My God, you probably don't need extra jumping on top of that. You should be focusing on the protection on top of that. Mm-hmm. And that's what's rocket launched my vertical. And I've worked with a ton of the top jumpers in the world. Now, you know, you see these guys going viral doing the 360 between... Go look at their YouTube channels. You will see, leading up to those, many of them. You know, I'm not trying to take credit for it. I'm just saying, go look for yourself. You'll see many of them doing these exercises that I've been doing. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's about making it cool, but it's about getting honest with yourself. The exercises are kind of resistance training. Yeah. Right. This is strength training. Right. This is bodybuilding. This is powerlifting. It's really, it's like powerlifting applied to bulletproofing, honestly. Like yeah. every... Everything I try to get down, you know, there's certain things you do at first to get into it. But like by the time you get, I only have three simple programs. By the time you get to third one, everything, it's, it's numbers. Like I'm, I'm measuring like, okay, well, don't be surprised that you can't decelerate into that jump shot without pain if you can't do X amount of load. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it's, I, I don't remember Charles like in his basement, which is just this like, you never seen more equipment in your life. Like mm-hmm. it went down this guy's basement and it was like, uh, uh, it almost made you kind of like do a double take and think like there's something wrong with this man. Like, he had so much fucking equipment <laughs> that piled up. Yeah. Piled on top of each other and all these different, uh, bo- um, dumbbells with different handle thickness. He's like, that one's three quarter. That one's this one. He's like, no one can pick that one up over there. And like, I was trying to pick it up a bunch of times and I kept getting Brian Shaw was with me. He couldn't pick it up. Like, I was like, what do you even have this? You know, what, what <laughs> yeah. is this even for? Yeah. Uh, then he showed me how to do like a particular lunge in a particular way. And he's like, you know, keep your chest upright. And he was smashing me. He's had a stick. He's like poking me with his stick. <laughs> and I'm trying to do this move. And I just start sweating. I didn't even do a rep yet. I just start like, you know, I'm pouring with sweat. And he's, you know, he's because I was like, oh, I got a little something in my right knee. And so he's working with me on it. And he's just having me try to do like a lunge, yeah. but in a way that, you know, a Charles Poliquin style lunge, trying to keep the chest real upright, trying to really lean into the leg a lot and drive the knee forward. And I think I had like 25 pound dumbbells. My whole body started because he wants you to do it very slowly. He has mm-hmm. a tempo oh, uh, yeah. and he has you pause and stuff like that. And he had me like kind of pulse up and down a couple times. And then he's like, okay, that's one rep. And so we're going to do like five reps. And I was just. I was dying. My legs were f- so full of blood and like felt like lactic acid. I was like, holy yeah. crap. Like it just crushed me. And he was like, I have a girl who's a skier who does that with 80 pound dumbbells. Yeah. He's like, she needs to use straps, but he, he always be- makes you feel good by letting you know which female athlete is like crushing your numbers. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but that's what was eye opening for me is I realized this whole time it wasn't about which version of biofreeze I was using. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. They all didn't work for me. You know, yeah. think about it on a, on a pain scale. Okay, going for a walk. How much ability do you need for that? Okay, how much ability do you need for basketball? I was simply far, you know, from that number needed for basketball. And a lot of guys are are closer. They have decent ability, and so they get some pains, and and the biofreeze works forever. I just had a much bigger gap. Mm-hmm. 
So then starting to look at Charles's stuff, and he was, he was especially big on these numbers for the upper body. And that's where my career has kind of been devoted to just making that for the knees, you know? And it was, it was this like math system that just made me realize how pathetic I was, you know, but that give, that gave me so much hope, yeah. you know, that is the first time someone just illuminated for me. You're just not, you're not that strong, mm-hmm. you know, in the right areas. You see what I mean? So, um, yeah, my, my career from that point has been dedicated to that stuff and it's, it's really gone through three distinct phases. The first phase, I just want to be able to play basketball without pain. Mm. Honestly, I, I contemplated giving up so many times. When I started experimenting with Charles' stuff, I, I would experiment in the morning, like 4 a.m. Then I would paint walls all day. Mm-hmm. I would put the CD player down. I would just be like alone with my thoughts, like trying to like just, that's a weird, like go spend 10 hours painting walls with no, with nothing to distract your mind you might make a breakthrough that the world needs, honestly. Yeah. So I, I think that's part of the secret of creativity mm-hmm. is, li- you know, life is all, it's like coming in at it, you know. Anyways, then I would go at night, be experimenting again. And it, it took some time because I couldn't even do like Mark, what you were talking about, you know. That's why I'm the knees over toes guy because I couldn't do knees over toes at all. So mm-hmm. not only am I not trying to force people into, I was like the one of the worst cases I've seen at that. You see what I mean? So that's what made me good at that. And I just wanted to be able to play without pain. So I kept doing it, testing, doing it, testing. So, and let me give you the backstory of if someone only listened to 10 seconds of this podcast, I think anyone would have come to the exact conclusions I had. If you were so insane that you literally like still thought you were going to make the NBA. Like to this day, I, I actually think I'm going to play in the NBA to this day. I'm still that insane. And throughout this process, so finishing high school, if you get no college recruitment from any level, mm-hmm. like you're not going to the NBA. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I was saving up to be able to go to one of these like, uh, these like postgraduate, you know, academies to yeah. like get my second shot to play. Okay. First year out of high school. Nice. Nah, still couldn't, still couldn't even play basketball without my answer. Second, it was my third year out of high school. Saved up like 15 grand or whatever, you know, went to one of these second chance academies because by that point from just trying to find these regressions, I could actually like play a little, you know, and, and, and I didn't know what was going to happen. Was I going to go blow my knee out again or, well, sure enough in season, I actually kept getting more athletic and my knees felt better and better day one, you know, and I'm paying my 15 grand, right? And they have this like recruiting expert who's going to like help me get recruited. Mm-hmm. So he comes in like with a chart and like sits me down like on a scale of one to 10. And it's all like ones, twos, threes out of 10. And he, he basically is telling me like the strategy. You're like the lowest numbers are the best right. numbers, right? <laughs> <laughs> this whole like layout of how much I suck in like every, oh. like all these detailed oh, categories. Man. But he tells oh. me like, look, like, so we have to get this out of the way right now. Like it's, like it's not possible for you to get a scholarship, right? But what we can do is we can start like trying to use my academics to like get into a school and I can pay and like be like that preferred guy like on the end of the bench, you know, <laughs> like washing everyone's, you know, underwear and stuff, yeah. you know. So so he tells me that on day one, I call up my dad, like tell him about it. And uh, my dad's like, so what do you feel? I'm like, just lit a fire under me, man. Mm-hmm. I got a full ride scholarship that year. Damn. Guess who calls me up? The recruiting expert. Thank so you, I, Jessica Smith, for delivering you. us coffee. Oh, thank Appreciate you. It. No. 
So I've already got the the full ride scholarship. He calls me up and I'm thinking he's going to like, you know, tell me he was wrong or whatever. He is begging me not to take that. He's like, I know the school you're going to. He's like, you're never going to play a minute. This man is that school. fucked up. Right? God. <laughs> Two-year two starter, led my team to back-to-back conference titles, which they hadn't won in years, ended up becoming their strength coach, and they had one of the most legendary runs in junior college history. Just dominance. Okay? Wow. These players were building VMOs and, do, you know, doing things that other teams weren't doing. Just They went like eight straight conference titles or mm-hmm. something. So... My point is just that throughout every step and to this day, I think I'm going to the NBA. <laughs> if you have no shot at going to the NBA and you legitimately believe you're going to the NBA, you're either going to just like, and with, with having already had three surgical alterations by the time I was 18, you're either going to fail horribly or you're going to figure some shit out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just could have given up so many times. I know I said that was going to be like a 10 second story, but it, yeah. Dude, <laughs> so, it was great though. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, that's just, that's just the underlying theme of it. So the first part of that was trying to just be able to play without my knees killing. Me. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. to, cause let's say you play one day and then you like, you can't even get out and play the next day. Like you can't be a part of a team. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that was phase one was just being able to play. Then the second phase was trying to get athletic enough to be able to play at a high level, mm-hmm. you know? So, and now the third phase, man, I, right before Corona hit, I was feeling good. I was training NBA players. I have beat NBA players trying their hardest one-on-one. That doesn't mean you get to just go say, hey, can I have a tryout for the NBA? It doesn't <laughs> yeah. work like that. Yeah. Okay. The, and even part of my plan, even once I was beating NBA players one-on-one, I figured it'd be like in my, like almost 10 years from now, I figure would be having a shot at it because some team will think, shit, we have three out of every 15 players are can't even suit up for that game. That's the current stat. 20% like can't even suit up for the game. So if this guy can even improve that a little bit and save us one of those, my roster spot would be worth. Anyways, so that's my crazy plan. That's that's my current plan. Is that Coach some, slash player. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Look, you, don't have, you have 15 guys. They're not all getting the game. Yeah. You could tell me just like that recruiter told me that I'm never going to play. Leave that to me. But I'll save you one or two injuries. Mm-hmm. So my spot will actually be worth more than one fifteenth. How how would you get a tryout? Like uh, how did because like you hear that sometimes. I remember uh, the movie was made with uh, Mark Wahlberg where mm, he tried yeah. out for like the Eagles and he just was like he just happened to run into somebody and he had a shot and then he ended up being fucking awesome and it, was, it, yeah. it worked out. Well, like how do you get a shot? Like there's the D League, right, or G League? G League, yeah. And it's never it's never happened. Something like this has never happened in basketball. It's happened in football and some other sports where it is more fit, like physical and 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 they have a they need a ton of guys on the roster and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, my strategy is like if I train a, like high enough players, and again, if I'm in like my late, I'm I'm turning thirty this year, so I, I was thinking in my late thirties. There was once this like Italian guy who was so smart about the game that they knew that he wouldn't be like his peak physically or whatever, but he would come in and like and and they signed him to the NBA like from Europe at like he was like a thirty eight year old rookie because they knew he would like improve the IQ of the team and blah yeah. blah blah. You see what I mean? Yeah, so it's yeah. like I, I feel like it'll take a while. <clears throat> and again, I know it's insane. It's not like my life is a failure if I don't do that. But mm-hmm. the point is. I'm still training for that. So now I need not only to not have knee pain, not only to be really athletic, but now I have to have insane longevity. Mm-hmm. So that's really where my system is now is I've got it down. My mom can do every single step of my system. Yeah. There's no exercise that she can't do. It's all 
levels. Wow. But it's all just levels of strength. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? So that's so that's kind of the evolution for me is is getting pain free, getting athletic, and now having to be like shit. Now I have to hold on to this long enough yeah. that I'll be so wise that some team will give me a shot when I'm like damn near forty. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Look, if a team hired me right now. The team would do better. I would make the team healthier and they would do better. Every team I've worked with has done so much better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized it's, it's like a, it's like a long play. I have to keep running my career. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, but that's where I am right now. <laughs> I'm still working on my NBA plan, you know, mm-hmm. that I started when I was five. <laughs> have yeah. you thought about like any like overseas professional teams or anything like that? Kind of going at, that route? At this stage, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. So you have NBA is this like big level. I actually played some in Europe. I had plenty of contract offers. I could be playing in Europe right now. It's mm-hmm. honestly, I much prefer being here with my family running my business. Yeah. I don't really want to be a play. Like, I'm working seven days a week. Mm-hmm. I took a day off on my wedding day a few years ago. I took most of the day off when my kid was born last year. That's it. Like, haven't taken a day off other than those two days. I'm not trying to go be spending years being a player. And I realized that because I would go over like for certain tournaments in, in Europe and stuff. And it was like, I had to choose trainer or player. And I don't give a shit about myself. I want to help other people. I just think that mm-hmm. if that shit happened in the NBA, I would just do it for a season just to spread more freaking yeah. positivity and helpful shit. That's all. You yeah. see what I mean? Gotcha. I would much rather, and I'm sure you can relate to this. It's such a higher level feeling of helping others than just yourself. Like I couldn't. I couldn't switch now when I was young. Yeah. I could live for myself, you know, and you think it's, you think that's the best thing you could do is your own career. And then as you get older, you realize that's actually a really limited view of life. And there's much greater. It doesn't mean you can't be successful yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, look at the charitable work that guys like LeBron do. The guy, I feel like LeBron's happy as shit. He helps so many people. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I actually think our happiness has a little more to do with how much we're helping other people. And I've seen some pretty depressed guys who are very successful themselves because they haven't aligned themselves. So it doesn't mean you can't be successful yourself, but also be aligning yourself. And so at this point, I'm like, I'm living my, my freaking dream. Yeah. I mean, before, before we leave the idea of pain and, and that, that stuff, I want to know, cause you mentioned the three surgical alterations. What were those alterations? Because like for me, like I had my meniscus, uh, I had my meniscus removed um, and I've had like some injections in my left knee, but by seeing your content for a while really like gave me a lot of hope for what I could do with my knees. Cause yep. I was like, I couldn't do a, a, a freaking 10 pound leg extension in my right knee without feeling massive amounts of pain. Yep. Then I started doing simple things like the Peterson step up and a lot of this stuff you were showing for free on your Instagram. Yep. And over a few weeks, I'm like, damn, I can actually put pressure into my right knee and I'm not fucking crying like a baby. That's right. Dope. So, That's dope. What what happens to your knee? Because I feel like there's so many powerlifters that have had knee issues or that have had surgeries, yeah. jujitsu athletes too, and they're like, "Well, I'm going to live with this for the rest of my life." Yeah, yeah. I had an I. In hindsight, I wish I had more <clears throat> shit happen. You know what I mean? Like just because everything I've been through is now yeah. it, whatever I've been through, I, I've gotten really good at helping others with. You mm-hmm. know, people reach out for certain things. I'm like. I, I haven't been through it. I didn't yeah. break my elbow. Like, I'm really sorry, dude. Here's what I have for wrist and elbow. But like, I, I didn't, that didn't happen to me, you know? So, so what I did have is I have, you have a, Mark, you have the left one kind of like sticks out there. Like, absolutely. There. Yeah. So th- this is like some nice kind legs, of, bro. <laughs> thanks, bro. Got, my, <laughs> got some good definition in those legs. You really thanks, do. Thanks, yeah. bro. Yeah. So 
that's some kind of artificial substance. I was so depressed. I didn't even want to know. They're like, do you want to know what's going on? No, I don't want to know. But anyways, so I have a partially artificial kneecap. That creates a lot of scar tissue. You can see, I mean, it's, it's literally a fit. It's like some kind of plastic or something in there. Mm-hmm. So that creates a ton of scar tissue. So this, it's really tough to get back to like the cycling motion your leg takes when you run. Yeah, you know Kelly I mean? Threat talks a lot about this. Your your body will like calcify and just create like bones and mm-hmm. areas. People have this uh, where you see it the most is in the um, in the ankle and heel. You see yep. this a ton on people, and people don't even know. Wow! But he he works with people like in a seminar setting, and he's like, he's like, you see this like heel, and he's like, just grab somebody else. He's like, this is the way a heel and this is the way an ankle normally looks. He's like, this bone was created by your body as a wow. defense mechanism against. Yep. Yep. So your body's like, you know, hey, let's put down something protective. Yep. And then it can be uh, something that's in your way that can cause pain all the time. Exactly. So that's a nice one because you can see there's a mass there. So like there's certain things like like that knee wasn't supposed to be able to fully bend again. <laughs> if you mm. look at my profile, <laughs> it bends like a motherfucker. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's got like world class bend. So that was that was a good side of it. It has a meniscus transplant. I'm assuming whoever they gave me could fucking jump out of the gym. You have a meniscus transplant? Yeah. Oh, apparently they don't even do like people are like, they don't even do that anymore. Anyways, I have a meniscus transplant. Maybe it's from a gorilla or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then I have a a quad tendon. So my quad tendon was apparently like fully torn. Now, what's really strange too, is I once got an MRI and I was diagnosed hundred percent torn ACL. Didn't have surgery on that. So it's a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. So it just brings up something really interesting, which is that did that heal? Was the doctor that wrong? You see what I mean? Like I got the MRI. The doctor calls me up 100% torn ACL. Mm -hmm. I'm devastated getting the news, whatever. Like it just shows that we don't have it all figured out in terms of the medical, they're doing the absolute best they can for sure. You know what I mean? But to assume we have it all figured out, that's freaking weird. And it was, it was much later that a, a doctor looked in on it, like in surgery looked in and the ACL was intact, you know? So that was the left knee, a lot going on there. The right, no surgery's done, which was actually really important to me for figuring out my system because Believe it or not, some things that actually worked for the left didn't work for the right because the right had some tears in it that I, at that point, I was like, I don't care what happens. Like, I'm never having a surgery again. You see what I mean? Like, mm. I, at that point, I just did, and that became my new game. So my right actually was much tougher than my left because my right, I, I went on like on a certain play and it was like, shoot, you know what I mean? And it, it took me years, mm. it actually took me some years to figure out the right because i have the left that's so stiff and then the right that's literally torn it's that loose Mm. so because of that difference i feel like i would there's no chance i would have had the system as good as it is if i hadn't had that total difference from one knee to the other you know what i mean because if you're just doing double-legged stuff you get like a totally different response between sides you know what i mean so it's allowed me to really relate to people along the way and figure out a system that handles okay how do we get the stiffness that we want? You know, how do we get that sturdiness, but also have the looseness? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that's kind of what my system does is it 
There aren't any shortcuts. It is not just one thing. It is about addressing the ability of your knee from every possible angle. And this simply gradually puts the math a little bit in our favor. Mm-hmm. Here, I'm a, Go ahead. I'm just going to, I'm going to just demo for these guys, right? Okay. You can see like I've been standing here. Andrew, can the camera see it? No. No, but if you can just do play by play. Record them. Actually, you know what? Let me, I got, there you go. go. Yeah, let's just record them. That so, way, at least we have it on, on here, camera here. Probably, my leg's probably cold. So he's trying to uh, show us. Feel my, like, pretty cold, right? Yeah. Feel my hands? Yes. Like, I'm fucking cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So my point is just, boom. That, does, that doesn't hurt. You know? Yeah, he just went into, like, a full sissy squat where his fast, knees hit too. the ground. That was fast, fast, yeah. Boom. There, right? Right. Uh-huh. This is something people want to be able to do. Shoulders to the floor. Now I have strength there. Notice, notice how I'm coming up. What's this movement called? Is there a name for that right there? <laughs> I call it a human knee extension. There you go, human knee extension. So he right, just he's on his knees and he just sat way back and laid flat on the floor so, with his knees on the ground. And, and and you didn't hear any break, like creaking or crackling. No. No, I, I can. I you know my knees aren't completely soundless, but they they used to be like but like when I was doing my my first Pollockman experiments. Holy shit, it was like, I had to work out when, when no one else was in the gym. You're showing us that to demonstrate that you don't need a warm-up to put your knees in this... It's a math what equation. Would otherwise be a compromising Right, position. it's a math... If I jump from a high... I could hurt myself. I'm not sure exactly how, but I, I could. You know what yeah. I mean? It's a math equation. I'm just a human body. Mm-hmm. But I've been training in a way to build the ability around the knees so it reduces my chances of pain and injury. Do you see what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. What have you noticed through training, like... Uh, let's say it's, uh, you know, let's say you've been on a strength program for a bit and you're trying to push your squat, you're pushing, uh, the strength of your legs, which you're probably kind of always doing. Uh, do you notice that to be more difficult? Like the next day or two days later when the muscle soreness kicks in, are you still fine to bounce into stuff like that? I don't actually skip any days. So I do crazy knee shit every fucking day of my life. Not a single day do I not do crazy knee shit, either jumping off ladders or doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I have to live my product. I want to know if there's pain. I want to find that pain. I try to keep putting, now I jump off ladders and try to land in that shit. So if your so, legs are really sore from a workout, you're still good to go on doing some of these Sometimes things. the soreness, my, my knees feel even sturdier because it's almost right. like, it almost like puts some more blood in the air, you know, like... um that's crazy i was doing that yesterday morning <laughs> last night wait till you see my youtube channel tomorrow my editor's working on it right now mm-hmm. i was doing crazy knee shit last night in the hotel mm-hmm. i just don't stop i have to push my body the farther i push my body the more i clear the path for someone else to walk this isn't a this isn't a gimmick to me mm-hmm. when i first made like the knees over toes guy instagram because as up until a few years ago i was just doing my thing in person hated social media all that stuff but it was my dad. My dad's really my business advisor. I would not be here right now if my dad had not helped me every step of the way to know what to do to take, okay, I have the ability to help people. I could have lived and died with no one ever outside of my town knowing who I was. You know what yeah. I mean? So that's how I came up with the knees over toast guy. Cause he said, you need a name that lets people know what your product is. Now look, it can work. You're Mark fucking bell. <laughs> okay. That wasn't work. I, I, I was just, you know, I wasn't on that level. Yeah. So I had to come up with a name, right? It's like some, okay, Lowe's, 
Lowe's doesn't say what it is, but it's fucking Lowe's. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I go in, I live in little, you know, little small mountain town outside of LA and it's like the do it yourself center. Like it says what it is. So I literally, okay. You know, it's, it's super, I had to get onto that level of like, okay, if I, you know, what, what would measure success for me would just be helping improve that people aren't scared to train their knees over toes. And then they know how to. So yeah, I was yeah. like, I was like, all right, I'm the knees over toes guy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Along with that, let me ask you this. Um, so you had the surgical alterations on the left knee. You you had problems on the right knee, but chose not to go about getting surgery. Um, but a lot of people, when something happens, they go and they get an MRI or whatever. The doc's like, let's get it. Let's get into it. Let's try to mm-hmm. get surgery. Um, I know it really depends on what it is. Yeah. But for a majority of things, do you think people can just... To pay attention to what you do, get like, and do regressions to where they don't feel pain to try to progress back. Yeah, I, like, I do my best to put out the latest research, and and most people aren't aware of the latest research that for many of the commonly done surgeries, mm-hmm. that when they've done placebo tests, so they cut you up, they cut you up, but they only do the surgery on half of them. Yeah, and then the recovery rate's the same. Now, it's not for all of them. I'm, but but I put I, I <coughs> excuse me. A lot of people attack me for being unscientific. <laughs> go, go ahead and look at how many sources I cite in my fucking YouTube descriptions. Go yeah. ahead and actually read my shit. And I'm, I'm actually, as, you know, what's funny is I get attacked by the scientific guys for being unscientific, only they're not being scientific. It's very hypocritical. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so the point is just that most people aren't aware of the latest research. So I have, yeah. okay, all my stuff is in free articles. All my stuff is in free videos. I don't hold back any data at all. And it's actually worked out well for me because people get more enlightened on it and then they might want to follow a specific program and get their form coach. So my whole, I never thought I would do social media and I never thought I would do an online business. Mm-hmm. And my online business only became... How are we showing this? <laughs> <laughs> my online business simply became coaching people's form. Yeah. Because I would find that even if people saw the exercises, their form would be their form would suck, and it's like you're just not going to get the result if your form isn't good. So I started doing this off. I would write it up on like a Google document, the program, shoot my YouTube video, link it in, and then the, I would use WhatsApp so they could be anywhere and they would send me their form videos. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I couldn't coach those videos myself. There were so many, you know. But this started getting the results for people. So I love putting the data out there to enlighten. And a lot of people do get results off the starting tips, but where we see like the really good long-term transformations is without question, people getting the form down. Some stay members longer than others. So that's literally like, this is all I, all I do in life. And then every single guy who works for me now was a member who either had Mm -hmm. an e-surgery or whatever. And they, they did it and they got their form coach. So they understand like, so we've done surveys, nine out of 10 men will butcher the form. Mm. What's hilarious is that it's almost opposite for women. They nail the form, but they don't have, again, it's just a numbers thing, not all. Yeah. They don't have the confidence in their form. Right. So they actually won't make progress because they're not sure of themselves. So we find that either way, the men need to get their form right, mm-hmm. and the women need the, the assurance that their form is right. Why do you think it's nine out of 10 men? Because that's, that's huge. What, what, what do you think it is? <laughs> Stubborn you, you guys or... could tell me better than I could. <laughs> you guys have a lot more experience with male, you know, ego yeah. and testosterone Dudes than I do. fucking stubborn. We're stubborn. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the exact same way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even if you look at my system now. All right. What's like the dinkiest exercise in my system? The tibialis race, right? <laughs> I, I brought my equipment with me. So Mark's going to be taking those tibs to failure. Yeah, I'm taking that shit to fit. I still have the same max out mentality that was yeah. leading me to like 
blow out my back with like a 225 <laughs> deadlift. When I, you know what I mean? Like, so I have the exact same male ego overdo it. The thing is now I'm like, now I can overdo it on exercises that the harder you try to overdo it, the more bulletproof you get. Mm-hmm. So that is the one area I've had discipline with myself is I just do my damn system. So people are like, oh, you should test your squat, your deadlift. Like, but that's not my system. But I put my body test in basketball. So different people are going to have their different tests. It would be like asking a power lifter to then go play basketball. That would yeah. not be smart for their career. You see what I mean? But the great thing is that your stuff... <laughs> will benefit powerlifters. Your stuff, I, I do jujitsu, yeah. will benefit a lot of jujitsu athletes that have to. We, our knees are getting are put in yep. a lot of weird positions in that yep. martial art. And if you're able to bulletproof it, you'd probably see a lot of a lot less injuries within the sport. Yep. It'll, it'll benefit a lot of people outside of the specific sport of basketball, oh, which is so fucking awesome. 100%. Some of the best friends I've, I've gained on this journey are powerlifters. You know, it, it's um, don't see life through a straw. You know, mm-hmm. give me a chance. I'll give you a chance. That's like, you know, that's how I look at it in life. I think we all have more in common than we think. Yeah. I want to point out that, you know, your demonstration of you, you know, jumping off the ladder. Um, these are these are demonstrations to show where your knees are at now, you know, and I think sometimes people might think like, oh, that's what I need to do. And it's like, <laughs> well, no, you, you know, let's this has been a long progression. Like, have you been at this uh, for a decade or how long you've been? Yeah. So, you know, messing around with this stuff. Yeah. Looking back on it, I'd say, believe it or not, there's probably only been two to three years of like actually like correctly what I use in my system now. But now think about that. Two to three years of really precision work has balanced out a lot of years of imprecise work. But right. two to three years is still a long time. Yeah. yeah. Right. And yeah. most people are still in that mindset of like thinking of it as a treatment, not thinking well, of it as their body of work. And you've been aware of a problem for 18 exactly. years or so. Exactly. Like, is there something wrong with my knees? Exactly. I think it's important to point some of this stuff out. Well, because even there's... that video, I don't want to cut you off, but even yeah. that video where I just jumped off the ladder, the first line out of my mouth in that video was, this is not how I got here. Right. I get people to start, If <laughs> all right, I get old people start walking backwards. You know, right. like, mm-hmm. so I, I am, because I have had people say that to me, but... I just don't see the messages coming in of, oh, I hurt myself doing this. Right. We just don't see it because I'm I, every day blasting those lowest. It's really mm-hmm. like my my thing, you know? My thing is that it's like, is the regression and trying to make that cool and get people to actually like buy into confronting their level. Of the, not the level you can do on the painkiller, you know? Yeah, yeah. Not the level you can do that then you have to ice after. Not, mm-hmm. you know, what exact pain-free ability. And it it's tough for guys to confront where they're at mm. and then gradually go up. What I wanted to say a little further on that is like, uh, Louis Simmons pointed this out too. There's a, there's a certain level of like GPP or general physical preparedness. You should be able to like what you demonstrated. Anyone should be able to do that. You know, anyone should be, should have the capacity to do that to some level. You know, it might, it might be slight, you know, it might, it might be lower than where you jumped yeah. from. But everyone should be able to possess that ability. Um, Louis Simmons kind of pointed out that, you know, say like an NFL running back. He's like, I should be able to go into an NFL running back's uh, uh, bed and go in there and slam a bunch of pots and pans and make crazy yes. noises and say, get up, get up. You know, you got to yes. run, you got to run three miles and boom, they can go right and just start running three miles. That doesn't mean that they are running all the time. They yeah. just have a capacity for it. They should They're, be able to. They should it's be survival able to. potential. Right. I mean, and that's why, honestly, like if we were in the wild right now, 
I would have some advantages in some ways, but you guys would also outlive me in other ways. I need to get stronger. So I've been on this knees over toes journey. It doesn't mean I don't also want to put on more mass and get stronger. You know, I, I've been playing basketball. I've been doing that. It doesn't mean that I think that that my build is the perfect build or something. Like, you see what I mean? Like I, I have so much more I want to develop in myself. Mm -hmm. I've just been trying to tackle this problem first, you know? Um, but yeah, like if I looked at myself to take my survival potential even further, you see what I mean? But most people don't think about it that way and they have mm. to get so warmed up and they have to like, but how would you do out in the wild? Boom. I, I make video. I, I try to get more politically correct as I go. Somehow Mark has gotten away with like being <laughs> Don't <him>. do that. <laughs> Mark can be himself <laughs> and I will learn how to do that. But I also have to learn how to do that without tripping up along the way. You know what I mean? Because I'm just trying to help people's knees, you know, so I don't want to turn certain people off you know mm. but i've done a lot of videos where yeah like i go out first thing in the morning jump off the ladder and it's like if a tiger came after you in the jungle like would you grab a foam roller mm. <laughs> you know what i mean like seriously so there is something really interesting to that and i haven't figured out yet the best way to test that you know it's not like i want people like because you're there's some injury risk there probably by testing your cold ability mm -hmm. you know but it, it is kind of a of an indicator of like Get outside of the weight room. Get outside. What's your survival? Are you strong? Are you fit? You should be agile, strong, fit. What I showed with my knees, think about this for a second. I get, you know, obviously I have a ton of support, right? But there's some haters and, you know, it's like, that's extreme. Or, or, but think what I just did. I only expressed my own motion. Mm -hmm. I literally just controlled my own body. I lowered my knees down as far as they'll go. And then I bent them back as far as they go. Th those... I didn't do actually anything extreme. That was actually normal, you know. Yeah, that that should be normal. Look at a a a deadlift, right? It it's it's not natural, I think, for a male to not be able to pick up a bunch of weight. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? What's your survival potential if you can't go out cold and pick up a bunch of weight? You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So so that's where I think there's actually like a lot of common denominators that I was. I mean, first off, this is easily the the biggest honor in my career so far as being here oh, but sure. but i also because of i look at it i think actually very similar to a powerlifter a bodybuilder i think i have a lot more in common than they might realize <laughs> mm -hmm. you know i just haven't been devoting myself to those qual i've been doing it in my own way but it's it's really similar way of thinking it's a uh, simple concept you know you should be fairly hard to kill you know when you <laughs> yeah. when you look at somebody and be like yeah, that would be a real bitch to try to kill that guy. <laughs> you know, it should be very, it should be difficult. And you People gotta be should fast. Be, you should be able to fast. Right. If you're not fast cold, you could get caught. If you're weak, it's oh that that's this, a good example of this like, is like my my deadlift setup when I'm normally trying to go for like a PR. Yeah, <laughs> so this? Nice. Mark, Mark will be like, "Yep, <laughs> that's my body weight." I did that cold because I was like, I was just looking and I'm like, I feel like I could. Like deadlift my own body weight. Great you know. mobility. Thank Fantastic. you. Fantastic. You know what? What you're talking? Oh, I gee. Yeah. I, Whoa. I, I kind of cramped up just looking at it. Dude. Three, three <laughs> sets of ten. Yeah. Sick. What you no, were? Do you know who Joel Green is? <laughs> Joel Green. He's been on our show a couple times. He's, yeah. He's a genius I, when it comes to nutrition and stuff. I, I probably do. You know, seeing so many names on social media, I forgive me. Yeah. He he came onto the show, um, and he was talking about how like every single day. I think he does what five cold sprints like just oh, yeah. he'll just be walking and he'll just go into a sprint because for in, in his belief over time of doing that like you'll be mm -hmm. able to have the capacity to you know do that until he's you're 50, old he's 53 he's, he's 53. on to something 
He's, he's 53, and what does he weigh, 220? Yeah, right? great six, shape. 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, mm-hmm. I've done some really similar testing. Um, you know those air runner machines? I like those because yeah. you don't need a ton of space, and mm-hmm. and you can just get going as fast as you can. Plus, like that thing of just like start running. Well, what if the gravel's slippery or the, you know, like there's, there are unforeseen, these yeah. external factors, Variables, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, so something like an air runner and you can see your speed on it. Mm-hmm. So I've done with myself and a lot of others, like what's like, how fast can you run? Like if you don't warm up for it and what we would do is we would do this and we would try to feel kind of like what hurts, you know, mm-hmm. like what hurts mm-hmm. during, what hurts at, like. That would illuminate weak points. Right? That's actually how I warm up. So, like, what I what I do is I don't I don't really warm up at all. I just yeah. usually start an exercise. Same. And I do an evaluation. You know, I mm-hmm. might say like a say I'm doing like a lat pull down or something. I'm like, does anything hurt? You know, if yeah. something hurts, I might do I might spend a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. You know, let me get my core temperature up and get used mm-hmm. to the exercise. Let me get used to the load that I'm using for today. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it turns out where I'm like, well. Uh, something feels a little off. I, I'm going to have to switch up my routine slightly different, but I'm not avoiding, I'm not avoiding stuff. I'm just kind of paying attention to like, oh, there's something that's a little off with that. If it happens again the next time, then you bet that I'm going to start to work on, uh, some movement to help improve that area. Cause I'm like, well, this is two times in a row now. Maybe mm-hmm. there's something there. No, this is huge. I've never even thought about it quite that way until you put it that way. That's actually something I'm going to get right to work on for sure. It's like, we should have systems, and, and obviously for me with knee exercise, but for different people with different exercises that they specialize in coaching of, like, so that's what I do. I just start the exercise. Right? But it doesn't mean I jump in at the top weight. I'm actually still very meticulous about feeling it out. So it's, you can jump right in, but you have to know your regressions of that, of, of how to enter it in pain-free and then warm up from there. There's not know? a lot of great reasons to jump in on a top weight, you know, in my opinion. There's really no it's, reason not to just, you know, uh, have your workout set up in a way that makes sense. So you have at least yeah. some time allotted to getting used to the weight. Yep. Charles Pulliquin was so really big on, uh, oh. you know, you need to know the movement and you use seven, eight warm up sets yeah. with exact his warm up sets in your, were even programmed. It would dial in your nervous yeah, system. If you exactly. got the weights right, you could actually lift more that day. Exactly. So I think that stuff is key, but I think it's almost key to, to kind of set up a guide like, okay, if this is the exercise, here's how you get into it. And here's actually some other things you could work on if it's not feeling good right away. You see what I mean? That's, I think that's where it's at. So be super smart, like take your time. Like why, why mess with that? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it's a good indicator, you know, and that's where Mm -hmm. you can see, I haven't wrapped my head around it fully, you know? And and I would have got, if there was like a new guy in the gym, he wanted to join us on like the sprint challenge. I mean, I definitely made some mistakes, you know, on the, along the way, I was a little more like when I owned my gym, a little more hardcore but like you know guys would get hurt yeah like like oh new guy wants to try this like you're not that resilient like i wouldn't tell him you know yeah. let him try it and you know pulled some hamstrings and st- you know what i mean where's mm-hmm. the where's the guys who'd been training this style for what like we knew we weren't going to get hurt it was just a matter of how fast we could run and and a matter of maybe finding well shoot my left side is actually a little bit weaker than you know what i mean i feel a little pain that it's like we're trying to rather than run from pain try to find it but that was just what I was having trainers do. You know, I, I wouldn't, yeah, as an athlete, like, no, get really smart about how you warm up, but it shouldn't take you 27 different mobility drills to be able to do that human movement, a squat, a deadlift, whatever. These are just human movements. There's, my philosophy is there's no such thing as a bad movement. That's my 
personal opinion. Yeah. Andrew, if you can play that uh, video of me falling with that weight. <laughs> um, the reason why, uh, the reason why I'm showing this is to, uh, I mean, kind of show this, the shit that I kind of went through when I, when I fell with this, uh, 1085 squat here. Oh my God. <laughs> so. And back, were you okay? I was, I, no. <laughs> <laughs> back, back to your point earlier. Oh when you said, uh, the funny thing is I put chalk on my dick, like in, in training like that week and just like left it there. Cause I thought it'd be funny. And then, and then this happens and then everyone gets to stare, oh, no. see like, why has he got chalk all over his dick? For uh, I actually never noticed that, but and, and, I didn't either. First of all, it's very distracting to have a girl wearing a sundress while you're trying to do, right. do a lift. So that, you gotta blame her. It's her fault that this happened. A hundred percent. You can't concentrate. God damn. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because what you mentioned earlier about um, those subjects having, you know, one had surgery, the other ones didn't, and their recovery ability was similar. And you mentioned how your one, uh, your one knee was uh, uh, different from the other one, and you didn't want to have surgery on that <laughs> yeah. leg. So I knew that if I went to a conventional doctor, they would be like, you're fucked up, you yeah. know, and you need surgery. Because mm -hmm. I, I was pretty messed up after this. My ankle was crazy swollen. Uh, my knee was very swollen. Uh, it took me about three months to kind of get back to, uh, get back to normal. It took mm -hmm. me three months just to put a shoe on because mm -hmm. my foot was so swollen. Um, I did some compression. I did, you know, but whatever I thought would, uh, work best at the time, I was able to get back in the gym and do some stuff here and there, but I was, I was pretty screwed up for a while. So I went to a doctor friend of mine who does like acupuncture, he does kind of unconventional stuff. And what he said was, I'm like, I, I'm like, I don't know, like, you know, did I tear something you think? Or he's like, yeah, maybe, and so maybe, I mean, he's like, how do you feel? I'm like, well, I'm, you know, limping around and it's like, it, it hurts quite a bit. He's like, well, it, you know, it happened, you know, five days ago. Yeah. And, uh, he's like, you could go to the doctor and they can do an MRI, but like, or they can x-ray or whatever they can come up with to try to look at your knee. He goes, but what previous history do you have with, with them? Have they ever seen your knee before? Mm. He's like, I'm going to guess that from squatting 1,080, mm -hmm. which you did in the previous competition, that your knees are probably pretty, <laughs> they're probably some trauma, you know, going on in the quad and the knee. And, and uh, he's like, so what do you really have to compare it to? He's like, I would just say, you know, don't worry about it. And that was really empowering to me at the wow. time because I was like, fuck, man, I think he's got a point. I mean, they are going to tell me that I'm fucked up. They, they are going to, they are going to tell me that I need surgery. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, something different. I'm like, there's no reason for me to like rush <clears throat> into, and I, I'm not really that accepting of, I've never had any surgeries. I'm not really that accepting of a surgery unless I, you know, if, if I needed it, I guess, you know, to, to live, maybe I would think it over, but uh, I was like, no, nah, I'm not accepting of a surgery, so I'm just going to wait and see what happens. And I got yeah. better, and I can still squat now. Yeah, I mean, you clearly made the right call. And, and to be clear, I said certain things, oh, I was glad this or that happened, but like, I'm only glad the surgery side happened, so I know what that's like. Mm. But like, the mass is in there, like my journey would have been easier <laughs> if that mass was, you know, so you made the right call in that instance. And I've seen studies that look as high as one in three that if they just go check a, an athlete with no issues going on just to see that they could operate on something like that. If they went in like for basically if like if I went in and lied and said like, you know, 
I can't play basketball or whatever, my knee hurts, like they they might find something in me. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just don't know. So, testing testing for things that might not be there. Right. Interesting. Right. I, I, like, <laughs> I like the fact that you were five days out and first they were like, well, you're five days out. I think that's an important part of the process because it's not like they're going to rush you into surgery anyway. So I definitely mm-hmm. have seen some things where someone is five days out, they do get the MRI. And then a few months later, like, it's time to have surgery, but they're like, I don't even have any symptoms. So this is something I did a lot for my friends when I had my gym. It was kind of known that if you lived in Clearwater, Florida, and you tore something in your knee, oh, yeah, just go go to the knee guy and work it out. You know, like, bad, you know, like. As in surgery? No, like, just come to me and try. Oh, Florida, okay. Legally, not a good idea to even be talking about this. (laughs) Okay, <laughs> but it was something where it was, it was almost like it wasn't. It was like, well, you can do this like as my friend. Like I can't like charge you for the. You know what I mean? And yeah, I had a ton of guys cancel surgeries, even many times where the doctor would relook at the knee and say you don't need the surgery. So doctor scheduled the surgery, relooked at, and then said you don't need the surgery. So again, I don't think it's for every issue. You yeah. know, it's a tough thing too. Like man. That would have been hard to be the, the people who did the study where you cut open half and cut open the other half and don't do. I mean, like, mm-hmm. this is, again, like, this is some tough shit. So trust mm-hmm. me, doctors actually have my utmost respect. Those guys are tough as hell to confront that stuff. You know what I mean? So that I think that's a big misconception, too, is that, like, I, like, hate doctors. No, mm-hmm. they're actually, like, some of the toughest people I've ever met. And I was lucky enough to have, there was one doctor in my life, a guy named Dan O'Donnell, and um, he's He's a, a beast, super strong. And I think that's what, since he was a doctor, but since he also lived it, you know, and like trained himself and was like strong and stuff, he helped many times where an athlete would come to me thinking they needed surgery and he would really help them determine if they did or if they didn't, you know? So I do think even within doctors, I think there can be more of a concerted effort to be like, to just make sure you're knowing both sides and what the latest research is and what can be rehabilitated versus what can't, you know? So mm-hmm. Yeah trainers we can get better doctors can we can all get better you know yeah and i think that's an area we do have to keep pushing on is just to make sure that we're not potentially messing up the rest of someone's life unnecessarily because once you've had for example like an acl now i try to do my best to have the stats very accurate this comes from a an australian researcher that it looks about five times more likely that you're going to have now a knee replacement later in life if you've had an acl so really what happens you have the acl people don't realize that when you go through a rehab from something like that you lose a lot and you lose a lot of tendon, you know, and your, and your patellar tendon becomes pathetic, you know, and that's, that's a major shock absorption right there. So like for you, when you were in your teens and you stopped playing sports, mm-hmm. tendons probably didn't develop quite right. You see what I mean? So, yeah. so you go through the ACL. Now you're thinking your ACL feels okay, but I just got some tendonitis now. So common to go from the ACL to the tendonitis. And you think, oh, there's like some tendonitis, but my knee feels good. Mm-hmm. Now, before you know it, your cartilage is just getting wrecked without realizing it. Yeah. Now you end up later in life. You're out of cartilage. Now you're having knee replaced. So, you know, comes from an Australian researcher. Hopefully it's accurate, but he said he's really. <laughs> Sexual assault. He said he's. <laughs> he said he's really. I his butt, but it's just sticking out. I mean, I really do. <laughs> but that's, that's the number he keeps coming up with is that five times more likely to have a knee replacement, you know, for, for the first thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we, I mean, we can improve it a lot, you know. Yeah. I've heard you talk about simple things, you know, as far as like getting knee replacements here, but simple things like walking backwards and the Asian squat. Um, I don't know if we could tackle each of those separately. Yeah, but let's like, talk about the walking backwards. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's really interesting. So um, if you think about that quality, 
going backwards. Mm-hmm. Basically, like the better you are backwards, the more protected you are forwards. So, and that's where people running, jump, like, they, like they're putting this forward impact. E- even a squat, really, like it starts in your hips, but then once that load comes into the knee, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, measurably, they should be testing this to death right now. The stronger people are backwards, the less chance they have of injury when they go forwards. Mm-hmm. Now, again, this is an area where respect for the guys, but we could do better. Exercise science is spending 669% more money studying acceleration than deceleration. So we are manufacturing, we're manufacturing knee surgeries. Mm-hmm. Not intentionally, not out of evil, we're ma- but we are manufacturing them. Yeah. Okay. Because we're seeing how much can we accelerate and not just proportionally seeing how much we can do. De- like who, who's obsessed with like deceleration and going backwards? I am. James you know? Smith. <laughs> the, uh, the thinker. I don't oh, know if you know who that okay. is, yeah. but yeah, my friend James, he, he loves sprinting yeah. and he's yeah. always talking about that shit. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. right. No one's really. Oh, is he, was that. he from the old like T Nation day? Anyways. This yeah, is yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He's from EliteFTS.com yeah. and he start, uh, studied a lot of Charlie Francis's work and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I was such an idiot. I, I did like the rate my physique on T Nation was like a stupid teenager with like like my tiny dick pushing against <laughs> like 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 basically everyone just came on and in some sweatpants. I, I didn't even know what the word chode was and I'm like, why is everyone <laughs> That's amazing. Remember when before we you started got like this, a little, you said we could edit little, some uh, stuff you, out? You got like a chug going on. <laughs> Rewind the last sixty seconds. Yeah. I think it's the I blame it on the mind bullet. Anything that's happened in this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. and the Mind Bullet logo has a brain like on a rocket. I'm super happy, and I think that's what's going on right now. Yeah, um, walking backwards with a sled is actually really useful for you know building up yeah. some strength in the knees. I know that uh, I think Louis Simmons again. Uh, he sent when uh, Ed Cohn. Uh, if you can pull up that clip of Ed Cohn falling, Ed Cohn just blew the fuck out of it. He just blew it out like crazy, uh, doing a big squat, and then Louis Simmons sent him a sled, and he's like. You know, here, you know, set, take this sled, yes. throw, throw yes. weight on there and walk backwards like yes. for a mile, you know, right, right. And so, it helped them a lot. Yeah. So let's nail this down really clearly right now. There's nothing magic about walking backwards to protect you from a squat. You'd have to load up some load to mm-hmm. protect you for a squat. But there's something magic about walking backwards to be an old person and not wind up in a wheelchair. Right. That's so let's be really, you know, because I'll see some like young athletes like, well, hopefully my vertical goes up. Like, no, like <laughs> walking backwards. No, but. But yeah, if you kept walking backwards, you'd probably still be walking when you're 80 instead yeah. of in a walker. That So even so, <laughs> we really only have one good study on backwards walking, and it was to predict the chances of elderly falling. Mm. And it was concluded <sighs> that backward walking alone is an effective predictor of falling. And, wow, and falling wow. is actually one of the biggest causes of death. <sighs> oh, my God. Oh, wow. Maybe one more time. Yeah, back yeah, a little yeah. Bit. yeah. Oh. It just sucks, you know, as a lifter, you're just watching this and you're like, oh, man. It just, he looks so strong, too. He handled it so well. Then, he handles the weight and then, oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's clear. They, like, I, I don't recall what, his, what happened to him there, but it, sometimes it's pretty clear that you need a surgery. You know, like the way that he fell, I'm imagining he just snapped something completely off, you know? Exactly. And, and the way I look at it is like, surgeries are still going to keep going on you know mm. so if i work as hard as i can on on natural means i'm not messing up the system you know i, I look at it as like you know i'm not going to hurt the doctor's pocket or this or that those are big industries and if i even do my small part then i'm saving some people money you know um 
there, you know, there has to be people working on this from both sides. But if so, let's look at that quality, right? So if walking backward, you could even take shorter steps backward, like even that regresses. Mm-hmm. And then so that's the only good study that I've seen so far on, on walking backwards. Now on running backwards in 13 to 15 year old kids, there's two groups. One group, they did forward sprints. One group, they did backward sprints. At the end of it, for every one inch of vertical jump, the forwards group gained, the backwards group gained four inches Whoa. vertical jump. So if you what? look at a vertical jump, go ahead and look at every 40-inch vertical jump in NFL combine history. The knees went over the toes. Mm. Now stand there, and I want you, don't actually walk, but take your first step backwards. Okay, your knees over your toe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, back Quite a bit. Yeah. So backward walking would be the lowest level of knees over toes training, mm. right? Maybe backwards walking uphill would add a nice resistance, maybe. Definitely. Yeah. So I have videos of showing basically everything you could possibly do to add resistance to walking back. You know, I've, I have like a dozen different options. So if we look at the most common, I have people around the world right now walking into their gyms, getting on the treadmill, not turning it on, and spinning that shit backwards. Mm-hmm. I was doing it at the hotel last night for a video to show is I did go two minutes straight. I, I don't say longer than two minutes in a straight bout because... On strength research, I don't know if you're really getting stronger at that point beyond two minutes, but I think you could actually get strong. Like you get a little mm-hmm. more leg drive, mm-hmm. a two minute, and and I don't even do that stuff anymore unless it's occasionally for a video because I don't have to. Mm-hmm. But it is so this concept of reversing out knee pain. So you know my ATG fam guys are ROKP, ROK. You know, like I have to make these things cool. You know, mm-hmm. I once had a whole high school football team who literally believed that bigger tibialis made them more attractive. Chicks dig big tips. I told them there was a study done. So see, I'm wearing like shorter shorts, right? I told them there's a study done. They have women just evaluate men. Then they had the same men wear shorter shorts. And the guys who trained tips and VMOs were more attractive. They, I think many of them believed it, you know? <laughs> so these fuckers were trying to get the strongest tips in the nation. We had the, <laughs> like, I can raise my foot up yeah. better than anybody else in the world. <laughs> so the whole team knew chicks dig big tips, you know? So the point is, yeah, of course, walking, it's not walking backwards, sledding back. None of this is glamorous. But yeah, start to think of that as a category. Okay, you can walk backwards, drag a pound, drag two pounds. You see what I mean? It's mm-hmm. Start thinking of every quality as like a zero to infinity mindset. It's not, a, it's not I can or I can't. It's, it's where on the scale am I, you know? Mm-hmm. And I have found that two minutes works well, meaning there is in strongman training just more like all out efforts. But I, I think that's an exercise that works really well for two minutes. Ease into it. You know what I mean? It, if anything, ramp up towards the end as the blood flow is going, then then push it really hard. Anyone that's got like real knee pain that really bugs them a lot, you know, try going down the stairs backwards. You know, hopefully there's a railing there so you don't fall. Yeah. yeah. But you'll actually notice you'll have zero pain because you're able to you're able to avoid, you know, yeah. what you're talking about. And so I don't recommend avoidance as a way to solve a problem. But if yeah. you need to get up and down the stairs for now, that might be something you want to. Yeah. Yep. mess with yeah so sled obviously is sled is the the king in my opinion like mm-hmm. if you have if you can get turf like my gym was basically divided between like turf and everyone sledded you know what i mean and we kind of had this rule of like 100 miles backwards so it's kind of like it's a good way of looking at it like okay keep going to you know try this herb and that herb but at least do a fucking 100 miles backwards before you complain to me that your knee hurts you know mm. so um, so I, I did my hundred miles, you know, and I never have to, and now you can see, I can do shit cold that I couldn't do <laughs> at my best. You see what I mean? Yeah. So it's over time, you turn something that was really hard into something that's easy. We'll do a 10 minute backwards walk later. I was going to say, <laughs> everyone that does their 10 minute walks, be careful where you're walking, you know, yeah, like, right. of your steps. And that's why a sled is great. Cause you have the turf, right. And that's why the, the dead mill, the treadmill, sled not will turn balance on. you a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the, um, the treadmill not turned on is a great one. Cause it's, it's safe there. And people are even making some of these kind of um, 
treadmills almost built for it. Mm -hmm. So depending on how much someone wants to spend, I like the Matrix S Drive is a good one. So it's built for that, and you can you can adjust the resistance. Nice. Okay. Wow. Now with the sled, because a million people ask how much weight does that. Sadly, there are diff different sleds have different frictions and di you know. So I love measure measurable stuff. In this case, you can't really get an exact because it's going to be different from gym to gym. <laughs> but figure out your measurements at your gym. So we're going to go today, and we're going to do some of these two minute bouts, and we're going to figure out you know a little goal for here what's the right way i already loaded the sleds with like half my weight and half your weight seems to be like a good amount for it but again from doing it you can figure out then for your space okay what weight do i use and you can feel how easy it is and how fast you can move and you can mm -hmm. and if you wanted to do, do it as a test it wouldn't be how far you can get in the two minutes it would actually be how far you could get in the in the second minute of those two minutes because i don't want you just jumping into it like it's, get the pump and then when you're so, you know, when you're so pumped that you can't hurt yourself and it feels freaking amazing, you know what I mean? That you would then test that part. That's the safest way to do it. Yeah. So I'm not asking everyone to test themselves, but you could. And at my gym, we had, you know, records on the board and knew, you know, <laughs> who was the strongest backwards. You know, I, I had NFL defensive backs who were, you know, obsessed with this and they practically wanted to like, okay, that's my program. I yeah. just go back, you know, um, does a lot for you. And even the backward walking. So I mentioned backward walking predictor for falling, backward running predictor for kids. And I think that's why for in the middle, the sled is so good because just asking adults who have pain to start sprinting backwards, it, it is too much injury. It's too plyometric. It's mm -hmm. too much going on. But then thinking that you'll get rid of your pain with walking backwards, it's not enough for those lists. But it, I actually still think even the backward walking alone is good. And there's some interesting stuff showing that it might even help us mentally not to end up you know how certain of these dementia and stuff as we get older it does something because you're now you're now having to get into the moment you can't walk backwards mm. out of present time because uh, you know what i mean it's 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 different yeah, that's you're a like, great point you're not going to text there's, probably there's you know what i mean yeah. you're, you're, you need yeah. to focus a there's proprio yeah. so there's something so yeah. so i think it's great cool my wife walks backwards so like for my wife just going through life you know She's found the backwards walking actually has been very effective for her. So there are going to be a lot of people in your life that the backward walking alone will do really good. My mom's 66. And if you see her in these videos, I mean, she can jog and this and that, you know, and, and she she walks backwards almost every day. You know, wow. it, in my system, we do like three leg days. You know, I, I just think people, you know, do it every day. Well, like it works. So why, you know, get the get the day in between, you know, mm -hmm. to rest your legs at this point, I do something every day because i want to i have to make sure the shit works yeah and that was a point i was trying to say earlier you know when i was starting my instagram is i had a really respected trainer and he was actually trying to advise me to get like other people to demo it than me in case i got hurt i'm like in case i got hurt i shouldn't be selling this shit <laughs> you know yeah so that was that was kind of the point of the earlier thing of, of how i realized that you know my instagram was not just gonna I didn't like social media because I thought I'd have to be, you know, fake or this, but I've actually used it to put more pressure on myself because people are expecting the video. I do a video a day, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what am I going to do? Do one day and like change clothes seven times and then rest the next six days? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. so it's actually, uh, social media has become, I, I think about it much differently now and it's totally up to you how you want to use it. But you, I mean, look, I wouldn't be here right now meeting two like-minded people that I'm not just going to run into <laughs> if mm -hmm. it weren't for social media. Um. So yeah, so think about this concept of going backwards. It's really, we can all find some way to do that if we have knee pain and it forms a really nice, forms a really nice warm up. 
you know, because you get the blood flowing <laughs> in a way that helps your knees. Yeah. So that's that's actually the only warm up in my. It's an optional warm up for all my leg days, and depending on your equipment or this, you know, it's just getting better backwards. How about the Asian squat? <clears throat> I mean, I think it's something I don't actually introduce like you know heels down like like a heel down full range of motion squat takes a lot of mobility and stuff mm -hmm. i don't introduce that until my third program and even then you're allowed to use as much heel elevation as you want and even yeah. then you don't even have to load it it's actually once the squat comes into my system it's actually a personal thing we do 12 sets of three on a 90 second interval so it takes 18 minutes you do 12 mm -hmm. sets. so you're really taking your time you know so you're really like you could just stay body you know my mom will just stay body weight um she could even hold like a little plate in front which almost makes it a little easier yeah so, um, that, that's just kind of putting some things together and it does seem to be, and, and actually when I called it Asian squat, I regret calling it Asian squat because I, I think it's better called an ancestral squat because um. it's not, I, because as soon as I posted that I had people sending me from all different cultures around the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? From all different continents that this is something that tribes anywhere mm -hmm. from, Native Americans to Africa to you know what I mean uh -huh. to Northern Europe. It's just it, very it's, natural position for an, people to rest in right, many yeah. many years ago. You just don't see people doing it right anymore. Right, they lack the mobility. Yeah. And, and then what I do for athletes is I actually set up bands on it, and I set up a little differently. Um, some people be like, "You didn't set up the bands right." I'm like, well, here's how I set them. Up. I think anywhere in that bottom half, it's all about the same difficulty, meaning the bottom's not really harder than the midpoint because the bottom, you're kind of resting on your cushion. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So I set the band so that the whole top, yeah, so the whole top half of the squat is getting heavier. That's how we oftentimes will teach pause <clears throat> squats because some people have big legs and big calves and they're just kind of sitting on their own, their own body yeah. and uh, having them pause a little earlier sometimes can be more effective. Oh, wow. Very cool. So I, I actually haven't found that like, so I do think that a full squat builds the vertical jump better, but not just, but I, I think the bands have to be on there. Otherwise you're not actually expressing how much strength you have, you know, through the whole top half of the motion. Mm. So that's literally how the squat is coached in my system. We only use it in the third program. It's a totally personal thing. You can elevate your heels as much as you want, right? So everyone can squat deeper depending on how much they elevate their heels. Yeah. A bunch has led to that. You could just do it. So someone could even, because um, I know coaches who who their their career is built on like not going full squat. But even they agree that without weight that you should be able to full squat. Do you see what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. like there's coaches who believe that like loading shouldn't go below 90 degrees or whatever. Even them I have common ground because even by talking to them, they believe that you should still be able to. So in my, it's it's a personal thing, man. You could still totally have your opinions on squatting. Then if you are an athlete, that that is how I like it. If you're going to load it is to still get the full range of motion, but ban that shit like yeah. get. So my first goal for athletes is actually just to be able, the only, like my squat standard is only your own body weight on your back all the way down. And from that point, adding as, as much bands, 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 and anything beyond that becomes a personal thing. The bands are, are fantastic. You know, utilizing bands or chains, the weight is lighter at the bottom. And this might be problematic for some people. That might be where there's like kind of the most amount of pain. And mm -hmm. so if you can kind of think like if you have the option to train where the bottom of the lift could be just a little bit lighter, mm -hmm. whether you have the bands on there and they're working against you 
or whether you have the bands on there and they're working for you in a scenario of like a re- yep. reverse band. Same, yeah, same difference. Yeah, they both do the same thing. I and mean, obviously it's different, but they both do the same thing. What have you noticed in terms of, uh, we talked about deceleration uh, quickly. When the bands are on there, what does this do uh, in terms of deceleration? Yeah, and I have to say for people who have surgery, they find it to feel much better. Because I think it's getting your tendons like, hey, so like, you're you you know so rather than just using a set load and going all the way down because we are much stronger at the top so i feel like it i feel like it preps the tendons Mm -hmm. and there's also you're ready to kind of thrust into it right there's also a new research is showing like really that that even at the very tippy top you know like that that extension is actually really good for our tendons so yeah so with the band you know if you weren't handling as much weight as you could at the top and that is where deceleration starts is when those knees start to bend you know what Mm -hmm. i mean so it's just you're just going to get more protection for actual jumping and decelerating you know what i mean so so for an olympic lifter no i I probably wouldn't mess with it because that's your sport you know so um for a power lifter you also have your squat but you know maybe something like what mark was talking about with the with this astagrass style split squat that's my king because Mm -hmm the the difference in my knee so that so the ATG split squat is used that's another one kind of like the hundred miles of backwards like do ten thousand ATG split squats then you know then see where your knees are at yeah and we find people are fucking transformed you know and, and if they want it the, I I've had powerlifters who use that to boost their squat I've had Olympic lifters who use that to boost their squat I've worked with quite a few bobsledders and those guys mm. to get the the top score in the squat like everything in the bobsled combine if you hit this, you get like a 10. If it, you, you, like it has a, a number that if you hit, you get all the points. Like you don't get keep getting infinite points. So 200 kilos, 440 for three. And they want to see it like full squat to get the full points, you know? So I've trained a number of guys to that. And we used that ass to grass split squat. So that's a tremendous amount of weight because these guys aren't 250 pounds. You know, they're probably 180 or Well, in bobsled, they're actually more like 220. So oh, like okay. the ideal bobsledder weighs like 220. It's wow. fast as lightning. Still double, for, double exactly, body weight exactly, for, for astagrass nice squat, squat, right? Yeah. So that's an example of like, yeah, in my system, my standard is only 100% of body. Like, like if everybody in the NBA could do their own body weight on their back all the way down pain-free, <laughs> there would be way less injuries. You mm-hmm. know, so there's, to me, that's just kind of like, that's your like baseline athlete standard and then adding bands and then depending on the personal goal, you know, adding weight. But even the power lifter could elevate the heels uh steffi cohen i mean my god it th- this is why i'm knees over toes guy because i'm not i'm trying to bring light to everybody who's who's has these gems to offer you know mm-hmm. what i mean and because i'm knees over toes guy people will listen to me about you know it, it makes it clear okay that's what that guy does right mm-hmm. steffi go ahead and look at some of her top you know quad develop movements she elevates the heels knees over toes squats she's one of the best ever mm-hmm. i mean that needs to be more known she's a a doctor isn't she yeah absolutely yeah like holy shit like and yet people still think no a doctor who is living proof of having some of the strongest legs ever uses that as one of her accessory moves you see what i mean so Mm -hmm. so that's probably what i would do in the so again it's right within my system i would do the 12 sets of three and use whatever heel elevation is comfortable and and just you know use what you know what weight feels good as an accessory I would never ask a powerlifter or Olympic or something to use my system as their, as the main course, yeah. you know? And I try to get all my workouts down to like 30 minutes. Why? Because 
I don't even want to train longer than that so that I have a ton of nervous system for basketball. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a bit underrated if you can get some really like actual productive shit done in like 30 minutes and not more than that. Hormones start to jack up. Now you have, you're not, you know, nervous system is like really primed for whatever you're actually trying to do in life, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing though. Like a powerlifter <laughs> doesn't have to do, you know, those, the squats with bands, if it's going to interfere with their program, but they could easily add in the ATG split squat. They can easily add in the Peterson step up. All these different little, these yep. different movements can easily be put into a powerlifting program to be yep. able to bulletproof a powerlifter's knees. Yep. There's going to be, there doesn't have to be any type of um, hindrance in terms of their athletic goal for the yep. sport. Right. It, it it's all like, I mean, and that's why I try to find these examples other than myself. So people can see, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, look at her, man, dude, her, her squat form is magical. Her heels elevated. And she like, she's got like killer, killer knees over toes strength. She did the mm-hmm. freaking, she did the freaking sissy squat with weight. I put her, uh, I put her doing that and I put Mark doing backward sleds in one of my last videos. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and, and yeah, Steffi, she's holding, looks to be about like a 30 pound kettlebell and she's doing something that most guys couldn't do with no weight. Yeah. I mean, success leaves clues, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's power lifters. I do think in general, aren't as aware of some of the knees over toe stuff they could be doing. Power lifters in general may have made the greatest contribution to posterior chain training of any, you know, genre of fitness. Mm-hmm. If you look at so much of the stuff, I'll often come up with something brilliant and then i'm like holy shit louis simmons has been doing this for for the hamstrings yeah (laughs) right so and and so i i do think with the posterior chain a power lifter is going to see a lot more of the gain in the posterior chain but maybe there's maybe there's 10 percent there with the knee over toe you know what i mean maybe there's so it wouldn't be it's not like i think the knee over toe would actually have like a massive impact but well now you're not getting hurt we kind of I've worked with a lot of these jumpers and we've all kind of come up with the same theory. The best jumpers are just the guys who aren't getting hurt and they just keep, and they're able to jump with their full intent. Mm-hmm. So being able to express your full intent is a key part of adapting on anything, Yeah, you know? And so you can probably relate to that in, in your lifts is those times when you felt like you were really able to express your full intent, you, you cause more adaptation. Absolutely. That's my jump strategy is to not have knee pain when I jump and I, year to year, I just seem to keep jumping higher. Mm-hmm. Are you comfortable answering like very specific questions from listeners right now? I mean, only a few. Uh, maybe give one. You know, again, people are usually going to ask medical, but I, it'll still be a good. I mean, it's still worthy to get an answer. Got it. Yeah, and that's kind of what. It, no, what I, was I mean, but but throw one and and even how I answer it may help them. Got it. So this one is from AK. Um, I'm going to butcher what this person has, but said that they uh, are asking for recommendations for. Condro Condro Malaysia Patella. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> Me and my mom laugh about these patellofemoral pain syndrome. Like we <laughs> Me and my mom laugh about it because she's she runs my customer service so she gets, you know, like oh, yeah. like who the fuck is Osgood Schlatter? Who like I need, Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for real. Um so that's oh, uh man. what is that exactly? So it, in in a short term it means your knee hurts. <laughs> okay, Google will tell you to rest ice compress yeah elevate and just you know wait for knee replacement down the road no um <laughs> no but it, you know the the cartilage hurts in your like like that one like the chondro malaysia patel sounds pretty fucking fancy right like i mean it literally just means like your knee hurts in there like we've all had chondro malaysia anyways hmm. i i don't 
basically a lot of these big names really mess us up because they give us a label. So like as a kid, I had all these knee labels. Like I thought I had a syndrome. <laughs> you know? No, I just didn't have knee ability. So for this guy, I mean, I've had so many people who were told they had this contra malacia patella, you know, irreversible cartilage damage, whatever, and they're just doing great now, even better than they were, you know, because now they've learned how to build strength in these areas. So, so for that in every single medical question, I, I would have the exact same answer. I'm just a simple dude doing a very small part in this, not an expert on any knee medical conditions, but every study ever shows the same thing. More pain-free ability, less chance of that pain and injury. So for this guy, it would be, let's tackle which exercises at what levels you can start and see what happens. And it's going to be the same thing for every single medical question about the knee. You see what I mean? Do you train through any type of pain or or is it just small amount of but, like discomfort on a no, scale of one no, to No, no. See, 10? that's the thing that I think is actually really key in my system is we're not even trying to push through the discomfort, if that makes sense. Like yeah. we're, we're really trying to get in where it just feels good to work out, you know, like in, in your, in your, um, we want to get to that point where you're actually able to push your muscles so to failure. I'm watching without. your Instagram and I go to try something. I, I should have uh, no pain. Exactly. And if I do have pain, then choose another exercise. Exactly. And if someone's, you know, oh, I, I tried that. Well, keep studying because you just tried something that I only use as the fifth exercise in a workout mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're already primed and warmed up from all these other factors. You see, see. So, so. I, I definitely am obsessive about the order of the programs and what movements you're doing at what stage. But um, even then within each thing, these things regress down. You know, so a lot of people aren't even trying the level. They're, they're not even giving a chance to try the levels that I had to start at, you know. So that's, yeah, that's with my videos. I try to always show what's that lowest level. Now, get into it. Get in, you know, like it, it should indicate and it should feel better you know what i mean and then work work your way through a progression that feels the most comfortable exactly. to you at the moment exactly. if all you could handle is backwards walking then maybe do that for yeah. a while then maybe look into some of the resistance yeah. uh, that you talked about exactly adding a sled in there exactly. or something like that and then if the other exercises still suck just continue to wait until uh they start to feel pain-free yep. i guess right exactly so obviously if you are in active pain you know like then to say it may be hard to judge if an exercise is pain-free or not, and that's why. Just build it on the lower-level stuff, you know? Build it, like like the backward sledding would be one that would be very likely that someone could get into. Mm. And I have found this little secret weapon of the tibialis because it's right there. This is from this is from doing those knee shoots mm-hmm. without, like, yeah. padding. Mm-hmm. I got bulletproof knees, not bulletproof skin. So I have, like, <laughs> I have scabs on my knees. Like, yeah. That's why I often have a pad in the video because my knees would just be, my, <laughs> right. my knees are often bleeding and I don't get the shot and I just do it again and they keep bleeding. Anyways, your tibialis is right there. So it's almost uh, kind of like um, Charles had a lot of success training all the forearms in all right. these different ways for the elbow. Right. Obviously, to have a bulletproof elbow, you do have to train your elbow. But the point is, he really handled a lot of chronic elbow issues by training through the forearm. So it's like you're not even using your, you see what I mean? So, right. so that's, that's 
that's my other big one that I put a number to is 10,000 tibialis raises. Like, just don't complain to me about your knee until you've done 10,000 tibialis raises. Mm-hmm. And and every and that's set, just uh, and every set going your... to fail. Yeah, and, and you're going to do that today, and I'll and I'll show you with the bar. But what's dope is you can take those puppies to failure without even bending your knee against a wall. Mm-hmm. You know, waiting for your wife at a store. Longer she shops, more you gain. I mean, not your bank account, but your tips. You know, um, and and, and I mean, the blood has to get there. So, yeah. sure, go ahead and be an expert and tell me how it doesn't work. But blood's going down there, and it helps. You mm-hmm. know, and so. So even for that healing process, you you don't actually even have to bend your knees. So that's really where my system starts. And for myself and a lot of people, we had to start at these things, even like the tibialis raise, where your knee's not even bent. Like you're not even <laughs> stressing the knee yet. Mm. And you're actually stressing what's below the knee. Yeah. So that's a great one. That that tibialis raise is is a phenomenal one. And people might find that like a leg curl doesn't hurt at all. Yeah. Right? And then now you can train the hamstring. And I'm sure... Just if we can go upstream and downstream, train the calves. Exactly. We're not exactly. messing with the with the the way that maybe this particular person's knee is bothering them. Exactly. So it, it is going to come down that math equation of of what creates knee pain. It is going to come from every angle. There's no. This has become like my big freaking like motto. Like in like that I look at it every day. Is that is that weakness is never a strength. (laughs) Like, yeah, we don't want to be weak anywhere down there. And and 99.999% of guys are going to have weak tibialis because they've never trained it. So even look at the way you walk. A lot of people might not realize that just the way we walk, they may be having extra wear and tear on their cartilage. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because they get strong everywhere else except their tibialis. So there's, there's quite a bit to gain without even putting pressure on yourself yet. So that's, I try to get people a frame like, like go easy on yourself, start training the tibialis. You know what I mean? Don't be, don't beat yourself up if you can't do such and such an exercise. Just start, you know what I mean? Get it, get it going. You've been, okay, you've been training 20 years, like start training your tibialis now. You know what I mean? A year from now, you could be a different person. It's really what, not. Uh, what weird things have you discovered that you were totally unexpecting of, uh, uh, has somebody, you know, you've taken people through these progressions and now their shoulder doesn't hurt anymore or uh, they notice something different with their hip or their glute because, you know, it, these these things are all interconnected. And sometimes when you release pain in one spot, you end up with some great benefits in another or even just training your tibialis, which is just super unconventional. Maybe it helps uh, other parts of our body. Hips in the back for sure. So I, I think the hips in the back really can be quite pain-free for people and a lot of people are struggling with hips and and the back Mm -hmm. and it's kind of because so you look at your ankle i'll often do demos showing kind of a depth jump in slow motion like like theoretically if my freaking foot was strong enough i would land like this like (laughs) like you wouldn't even need your knees Mm -hmm. and it's the same then it's the same then you ever see one of these like Olympic lifters, the like one of these Chinese guys that is just like magical and their torso no, like never, the, they, they never even had load on that. Like the quads were so strong, the back never even got loaded. You see, so so I do think there's some pretty cool stuff that happens with the hips and the back that I wasn't expecting. You know, I, like I thought I would be the knee guy, and it really now I feel like I am just as obsessed with knee, ankle, and hip and and low back mm-hmm. because of how those are related, and and it can go each joint can f up the other one so even a weak lower back you're now gonna actually stress your knees more than you You see like like stress is stress like the force is somewhere you know there's you want to be great at all three of those i understand 100 percent. when i used to squat a lot of times my quads just from like 
you know, powerlifting and squatting wide and just addressing some of the things I was addressing, my quads weren't as strong as they needed to be. Mm -hmm. So then where did the weight shift to? It shifted to my lower back. Exactly. And then people will say, oh, I got, you know, a bad lower back or yep. my lower back's always really tight. And it's like, may, well, maybe if we strengthened this other area, maybe you could have a little bit, maybe you can be more upright. Maybe the bar can sit in a different spot. Maybe even though you already squat a lot of weight, maybe you can squat 50 more pounds mm. if we can bring that bar down a half inch or an inch, you know, just really searching for what's optimal. 100%. Weak knee, we see way more back tweaks, you know, way more, way more back issues start to occur simply because we're, we over rely on it. You know what I mean? So that was, that was the part I didn't expect to get into. And even once I was having, you know, once I was really on this knee track, like without even thinking about it, like, oh, I, like I had a, a rough back and I would like go see the car. I would have to like, um, like at night I would sit like, fi I would lay like 15 minutes on this thing. And like, if I didn't lay on it like 15 minutes, then like, like I had to do it every day or my back would hurt. It, it never occurred to me like, like, Hey, I shouldn't have back pain too. You know, now my back is like, <laughs> it never like nothing ever, not zero. Z you know what I mean? Nothing gets to my now it's again it's still relative mm -hmm. right it's still a math equation if i did enough deadlifts in a day you know what i mean mm -hmm. so it's still it's still a math equation but the point is i didn't expect that oh shit i would end up with a back that never hurts as well you see what i mean yeah but i think it's just from shifting those and, and then getting you know a more optimal balance plus so it, if you look at how the quads go down to the knee like even if you look at the stuff i did on the floor like when i laid back opening up those hip flexors and stuff i think that kind of allows the back to have a little more freedom so there's there's certain areas that again is the you know the the weakness is never a strength and so even your hips are then connecting down into muscles going to your knees so that's from trying to hit the knees from every single angle i also figured out shin splints mm -hmm. you know back like i had nasty shin splints i thought if, you know fuck got you know my knees are great if only i didn't have shin splints now or what you know what i mean and now now my shins are like crazy bulletproof you know so yeah. So yeah, it's th those be you know ankle, knee, hip. Any one of those joints can f up the other joint. Any one of those joints could could help the other joint. You mm -hmm. know? Your flexibility standards, <laughs> like how when you started thinking about movements in terms of flexibility and helping out your your the the knees and the strength of your knees, wh where did that come about? Because you pay like, for example, I think Andrew pulled up a video where you were doing the splits. Right. But you're also able to right, then, we'll do that demo too. Yeah. You're also able to generate this massive amount of power too. Right. Yeah. People don't associate the two. They think to be able to do that, you kind of have to be tight. Right. But you're not yeah. at all. No, so no. how does and that play in? It, and it's, it's actually because it's actually because I don't stretch. I don't like to stretch. I just like mm -hmm. to move. So in my first program, there is some because at a very low level, even stretching is some load. Mm -hmm. So for the first 12 weeks, we do some stretching. The next 12 weeks, there's only one static stretch by my second program. By the mm. third program, there's zero static stretching. I don't static stretch. But yes, you've seen, dude, I've been like standing here cold. I'll do, I'll do this. Yeah. All right. He's doing another uh, demo here. He's in a lunge position. So, so let's look at what creates my splits. So Mark mentioned this, this astrograss split squat. So without the back knee touching the floor, I'm able to get full bend on this front leg. Notice my back leg. That takes some serious hip flexor length. Yeah. And then for my for my posterior chain, I'm if you want to build the best hamstrings, you have to go through a stretch there. So from the back hip flexor, 
He's in a very upright posture. His uh, shoulders are right over top of his hips. Just in a full split. Not the world's best, but it's pretty quality split for Colt. Yep. So so it's a pretty quality split for Colt, but... Absolutely. I I used to static stretch for years, and I was nowhere near that. I don't Mm -hmm. static stretch now. I just try to get stronger. So people don't even realize in my first program where I have some gentle static stretching, it's only because that's actually like a a really low level of strength but it's some loading there that we don't want to dig into yet with weights. But maybe in the beginning, maybe you were stretching, even though you weren't like actively uh, static stretching, yeah. you were going through range of motion yeah. that were testing your mobility. And over time, you're now able to do that kind of stuff. Exactly. So the, the system just traces what I've done with myself and others. Challenging movement over and yeah. over again. And we find that once you get some stretching in, okay, Let's turn that into strength. Anything we can turn into strength training, we want to turn into strength training. So yeah, by this point, it, it took it took a lot of time, but in, in order to find the right tools and the right exercise. But yeah, by this by this point, like yeah, I don't I don't ever static stretch. I have zero static stretches in my arsenal. Now it's also can, not to say that it, uh, somebody else uh, they may need some static stretching. I respect stretching. Right. I respect the hell out of stretching, but I've gotten to the point where I can just do strength training. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to stretch. You see, mm-hmm. I, I don't want I, I don't want to spend the time doing it. But it does work. But I think, I think it works. But then, I mean, shit. If you could then load and get strong, your mobility was probably really not a major <laughs> issue, really ever, was it? Or I, I mean, I had horrible mobility. But was that? So, but was that just pain related? I I think it. I think because I had this philosophy growing up that if I just worked hard enough, I would make it, you mm-hmm. know? And so I would put on ankle weights starting when I was 9, 10, 11, go dribble, you know, 5 a.m., 3 miles through. My hip flexors were so tight through all those teen years. There's no doubt that added to my knee pain, the yeah. hip flexor tightness. I see. So it, it was, um, and then I feel like for some of us, no matter how much we static stretch an area, it tightens back up if we're mm-hmm. weak in that range. So that's kind of started with getting on like, hmm, wow, like I hold this area of flexibility more by strength training. So that's that's kind of how it gets. Like I absolutely wouldn't stop someone from like I have nothing against stretching. You see what I'm saying? But shit, if I can do the splits cold without having to ever sit there and do a static stretch, I mean, I'll t- you know, it's like having your like it's like finding out I can eat like steak all day and yeah. be, you know, like when mm-hmm. you have that realization, you think like <laughs> eating meat's going to make you like fatter or something more unhealthy so, yeah yeah but you know mark's I, the king of that yeah. I, I actually to prepare for this i had three steaks last night that oh, was great. Great. The, nice. the hotel stack them on top the of hotel other. i was at had a steakhouse down below Ooh, where were you grass-fed at? steaks holy shit this? kimpton some kimpton okay uh, it's downtown sacramento i just went yeah, on okay. you know i just went on oh the sawyer yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. okay so i just okay. went on google to see what's the best hotel i all right my lifestyle i get in the car one day a week to take my wife on a date. <laughs> I film videos out of my yard. I We go on a family walk in the morning. I have a pit bull who needs so much walking or he's just a handful, but yeah. I, I love him to death. He has to get like two miles in the morning, two miles in the evening. <laughs> and then afternoon, I handle like, I handle the, the text work and stuff. I put the baby on my chest. And so I, dude, I don't, I don't leave my neighborhood except for once a week for a date with my wife. So I'm uh-huh. like, I'm going to Sacramento. Like, I'm just, I'm not... <laughs> trying to stay at the budget in yeah, 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 like, yeah. i want to go feel San, uh sacramento i've never been mm-hmm. here so yeah so i got like a balcony suite downtown killer views gorgeous sunset go downstairs they're like a restaurant there 
grass-fed like steaks. Ordered myself three steaks, like a Echo and Rig or something like that. That's it. Yeah, there you yeah, go. yeah. So it was freaking, freaking. Del- I was like, I got to get ready for you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> for Mark Bell. I need to freaking man up. And, yeah, and have some steaks tonight. You know, on what you said in terms of like, you don't need to stretch anymore. Here, here's the. Uh, oh not shit! Bad. Not bad. Nice. Shredded. Yeah, you can eat three steaks and yeah. not have body fat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what you're saying in terms of like not needing a static stretch anymore, I totally agree with that because it's like after I started getting more into mobility because I I was very tight, but mm-hmm. after I started mm-hmm. doing that, after a certain point, it's like there's a certain level that just stays there. Exactly. And personally, yeah. like I can go into the gym and I was like I've told Mark this like years ago and mm-hmm. still now I can go into the gym and just start training cold now mm-hmm. because I have this base level mm-hmm. of good movement yep right and it can, it can still be improved but i don't find that i'm having to like you know put like use a, a hard ball and roll yeah. my glutes yeah. on it and do and, all this and stuff I used because to have to spend forever i could I like it same. like i had to like if i didn't like i couldn't get into my and, and exactly it, and it would hurt and i had this whole routine it would take me like 30 45 minutes i was exhausted by the time it got to time to train yeah you know yeah so big difference yep so what does it mean? And I mean, sorry, this is going to be like a very like elementary question because oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, my knees pop like crazy oh, yeah. to the Good point, topic. Good to, topic. To the point where like um like uh, we we all we walk all day long. Like we we you know get work done and then we go for a ten minute walk. I love it. Um, there's times where I'm walking. I'm like I'm not going to pop my knees. Not going to pop my knees. But it feels like I have like an air pocket in between mm. like my joints or whatever. I don't even know the terminology. And then like I'll pop them and i feel fine yep. and i'm good to go pain is not really there but yep. obviously it's i feel like this isn't correct you know what i mean yeah and and you're right and here's the thing with knee noise okay knee noise does not mean you have bad knees however it can be an indicator mm-hmm. so i would simply put it this way whatever your knee noise is now you you could have the best knees in the world and you could still have a lot of knee noise and you could have the most bulletproof knees in the world. Mm. Okay. But if that noise is getting worse, you know what I mean? So for you, it's probably somewhere along the line gotten a little worse. Mine was worse in my teens. I remember I had this knee that could make like, you could hear it from like, like, you know, when you, you know how you mm-hmm. say you pop it and then it feels better after you pop, but you can feel like it needs to pop. Like, yeah. Um, that's not a good indicator, you know, like, like I would at least be doing, training to try to remove that issue right okay and it, and if we don't train our knees through a full range of motion if we look at the research on what creates length okay even stretching and length are two different things right so think about uh the way down on a nordic think about a good romanian deadlift mm-hmm. okay so those things are actually proven to create length we don't have studies on that for the front of the knees okay we don't have studies on that for the tibialis. I want I want you to get super flexible all through your tibialis and through your quad, but through strength, not through just static stretching mm-hmm. those. But here's what the research shows on the hamstring. Took these $20,000 machines. They measured, like I don't even know what this would look like, but they measured the length of the hamstring. He's like, you guys probably understand this better than I do, this whole like concept of like, so it wasn't a flexibility test. They They analyzed the muscular length and yeah, Athletes, it didn't matter if they were elite or novice or whatever, athletes with more hamstring length were four times less likely to injure their hamstring. That's a hell of an indicator. Yeah. Hell of an indicator that other muscles might enjoy that as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so, so yeah, for you, I definitely will show you today before I go, like, just 
a great way you can start working on the length on either side. And I would be working the hamstring length too, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. so your calf, tibia, hamstring, and quad length. But right now the research we have is only really on hamstring length. So that's a good point that someone should start studying. This episode of Mark Bell's Power Project Podcast is brought to you by Piedmontese Beef. And I really want to talk about Piedmontese Beef because, in my opinion, it is the most underrated, most untalked about, just underutilized tools when it comes to uh, bodybuilders and their diets. Can you explain exactly why that is in SEMA? Yeah, man. It's actually pretty awesome because we have a lot of bodybuilders on this podcast. And every single time we get one on, we always tell them about Piedmontese because... When a bodybuilder goes on a bodybuilding diet, they're like, I want to eat low fat and, you know, I I can't eat a lot of calories. And they always end up eating chicken breast, tilapia, just really weak meats, just very weak birds. Um, But Piedmontese is awesome because they have a lot of different options in terms of their meat that have a great amount of protein, like good amounts of protein, but not a crazy amount of fat. So Mm -hmm. you can be trying to do a diet and you can eat a lot of meat, a lot of red meat that tastes great, that's tender without all of the extra calories. But... I want to give this a big butt because a lot of people are like, but I like fat. They also have a lot of options of different cuts of meat that have more amounts of fat. Mm-hmm. So if that's your jam and that's what you want to do, you have that option too. You can't lose. I like that you added a big butt. Mm-hmm. We love big butts. We do. Cannot lie. But seriously, stop eating weak you know, birds, like Nsima just said, head over to Piedmontese.com. That's P-I-E-D-M-O-N-T-E-S-E.com at checkout. Enter promo code POWERPROJECT for 25% off your order. And if your order is $99 or more, you get free two-day shipping. Highly, highly, highly recommend you check out the flat iron steak because what Nsima just said, it's ridiculously high in protein and insanely low in fat. Go check that out right now. We have uh, Jessica Smith in here. Jessica, come on over here and uh, you can take my spot for a second. Uh, she's going to ask you a couple questions. She's had some issues with her knee and we can like actually physically go over, you know, exactly what you would, you know, maybe have her do, but maybe she can give you uh, some insight as to her knee problems. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. But hopefully, hopefully it helped with the concept of the Yeah, absolutely. I mean, literally, as I I asked you a question, like I, I kind of like stretched my leg back and it popped and it just Mm -hmm. did again. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I don't know if it's like a mental thing at this point where well, it's no, like, I mean, it's well, no, no, what, what I mean is as yeah. far as like, oh, I need to pop it for my knee to feel better. Like it's sort of I like mean, your knuckles, right? I've like, been there. I used just, to have that yeah. where I'd have to pop. So, um, I think it has to do with the length. Got it. Yeah. But it, do, it doesn't for anyone out there with the knee noise, you do have to know, like, it doesn't mean you have bad knees. You, you, you literally could have the most bulletproof knees in the world and still have knee noise. Cool, you know what I mean? It's, it's important for people to know that because some people freak out, you mm-hmm. know, if they have the noise. Doesn't mean you have bad knees, but if you notice the noise is getting more and more, that might be an indicator for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Hi. What up, Jess? <laughs> Just get a little Tell closer me about your to the knees. mic. There you so, go. Is it both uh, or? Well, yeah, both of them do cause me pain. Okay. But my right um, obviously causes me more pain because I've had multiple surgeries. Oh, on wow. It. Uh, when I was like a sophomore in high school, I completely dislocated my kneecap okay. off my my patella is just off. It mm-hmm. did not go back in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up having surgery where they like cut the side tendon and retied my kneecap back on. Um, I shaved the complete underside of it off. It was like a potato chip was floating around in my knee. All the mm-hmm. cartilage is completely gone. Uh, the last a couple years ago, I ended up having um, surgery where they basically went in and took all the arthritis that i had mm-hmm. created i created bone spurs so when i went to go wrap my, i didn't even know about them but when i went to go wrap my knees for a powerlifting meet my knee swelled up so bad um 
it looked like someone had taken a personal sized watermelon and sliced it in half and threw it on my leg. That's what my knee looked like. Mm -hmm. I could barely walk. And Mark was like, all right, you got to figure something out Mm because you can't keep, you can't even walk. Um, And it just, I had basically compressed my knee so far that the, the bone spurs were going into the soft tissue of my knee. That's how bad my bone spurs were. My arthritis was really, really nasty. And honestly, my knees and my joints, like my shoulders, like sublex a lot. Mm-hmm. So that's just something that I still kind of experience now. I'll be laying in bed and my uh, my left knee will sublex. Like I can feel it, my kneecap like go in and out. Um, and that's just, I have pain all over. So I've been struggling. I've finally got to a spot where I can squat pain free. So I feel good about that. Good but, for you. Um, anything weird? Um, one leg just not very strong mm-hmm. at all and it does cause me some pain so even attempting to try and strengthen that is really hard for me because it'll put me in a position where i'm in pain and so that just makes me not want to do it because i don't know how else to even i don't know progress that movement mm-hmm. so like if uh <clears throat> if we were to say like hey just you know do some lunges right now, you know, 20 reps on each leg, you'd be like, uh, give me a minute. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it would, it would take a lot of movement to get me to be able to do those lunges. Um, and then even then, depending on the day I could or could not be able to do it. I'm really glad this one came up because it's a really specific thing we haven't talked about at all yet. And it's so simple and I'll definitely show her today. Now, like any of these qualities, you're going to have to build it. Okay. Right. Like any, like everything we've talked about, all your different areas are going to matter. Okay, but there's one in particular. She had the, the, the original patella injury, and then now the cartilage going away. Right, mm-hmm. and I think this whole uh, thing, how it goes from a patella issue, and and then to your patellar tendon right there, like that's your biggest shock absorber. Right, a tendon is tendons are stronger than muscles. Okay, they're actually less flexible, so. The muscle's more flexible, the muscle's weaker than a tendon. Mm-hmm. So that is, a, that is a major, actually, point of strength in your body is those patellar tendons. And we already have amazing studies proving how using a slant board can actually help you rebuild your patellar tendons. So you're going to start to think of your pain-free ability on that slant board, and, and in your situation... It can be so hard even to get the right muscles to engage. Mm-hmm. So hard. Slant board is a game changer. I started noticing this one day, like, so until recently, I lived in, in Florida and it's fishing and docks and all this. And like, every time I'd be like going down like docks and it like, like a slant, like a good wooden, like slant that your foot grips, I'd be like, my knee doesn't hurt in that position. You know what I mean? Like, it was weird that my knee, like it actually made the right muscle work. Now, the lowest would be literally just, so like I brought a slant board with me. Mm-hmm. I brought tib bar, slant board, and, and one other thing. But the lowest would be literally just even having the ball of your foot on your floor and, and just the heel on the slant and using assistance and just like getting the right muscle. to And without realizing it, you're actually strengthening, scientifically like strengthening your patellar. T- yeah, so you're now like rebuilding like a brand newbie just starting to learn a new lift, you know? Like you're benching 75 pounds, you know, like you're like, you know, like you're, you're rebuilding a weak area for yourself. And I think this one's particularly 
might be king for for powerlifting in fact is just once you've had those knee injuries it you are so strong in other areas it's hard to get those knee muscles to really you see what I mean? mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like your strength is against yourself because you're so strong in other areas that these other areas just want to take everything over yeah so yeah so with a slant board yeah we want to get you standing on it we then want to get the slant board up on an olympic plate we want to then get the slant board up on six in- now imagine right now the idea of being on a slant board on six inches and going knee over that would probably uh, like cause so much pain right i mean the thought of um, just like okay. exactly <laughs> but <laughs> exactly but that's that's actually what you want to get to that being pain-free and at that time you'll notice some more of that that vmo kind of come in it but but more importantly is that it's it's we're actually following the science that does exist for showing what actually can build those patellar tendons mm. and, and that's why i think it's such a huge point i'm so glad this came up because we didn't talk about the slant board and it's so simple and yeah. they should just be in every gym and and you the lowest would be only the heel up on so the ball of your foot on the floor with something to to balance and not just something little like a like a foam roll like like maybe turn a bench like right side up you know what i mean like something really sturdy to balance and just get that thing what you can you know what i mean mm-hmm. get it pumping let it recover do that for like the next year Never more than three days because there's just no reason to risk it like that. Um, and and your patellar tendon could make huge improvements. What's the deal with like the Q angle? Like, is this some nonsense or like, is it mainly just people working on weakness? Because I hear people all the time with when it comes to females in particular, they talk about the Q angle, the the knee being inside the hip and how, you know, this is leading to problems and stuff. Do you think that that is a real thing is just the way that people are built or do you think it's bullshit and people just need to be stronger? I don't, I don't know what that is. The Q angle. Oh, you've never heard of that before. Well, never heard of it. Well, anyway, see, uh, I've probably come across it and been like, boop, that's yeah. So it's it's right here. Stand up straight. (laughs) When you see her, her hip is here. Yeah. And her knee is here. Oh, I see. And so, uh, this is uh, what a lot of people blame on, like on knee injuries for women I, I think that are in like uh, cheerleading yeah. or they're in uh, just any sport, volleyball or whatever it might be. Uh, yeah, there we, there we go. I, I think that's more an effect that occurs from being weak in the wrong area. So, mm-hmm. and and I'll tell you, I've worked with some people who had that pretty bad because in the football world, actually, some of these Samoans actually get that pretty bad. These guys who are very heavy, right? So they're very heavy, and I don't think that VMO can handle the force that's coming in on it. Mm. And so we saw many cases where, like, I have texts from people like, you cured my fucking knocked knees. You know what I mean? Like, how it, how it goes in. So, yeah, I, I think this means, like, we really have to get stronger and, and straighten out that leg, you know? So I have another question, then, because I lack, um, I'm unable to bend my knee, like... I can, I can sit on my knee, but like, you know how some people can like sit back on mm-hmm. their heels and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I had, do not have the physical capability of doing that. I, I completely understand. Mark touched on this earlier on, which is that the body will put things there. Your body's built, you know, like defense mechanism to try to protect itself. So your body's trying to protect you from blowing it out right now, but that's yeah. not advantageous for life to not have that range of motion. You know what I mean? Correct. Your body's putting the pain, the swelling, it's putting these things there to actually try to protect you. So we have to put real strength in its place. And that's, we just see that those 
lack of range of motion issues, the solution is not actually to be trying to bend it and stuff. The solution is actually just to put the strength in the right areas. And then I think your body will gradually allow, you know, the false strength that's there to wither away. That's what we've observed. That's well. So I was working with Phil DeRue and he, he basically said the same thing. Like Mm -hmm. my mind will not allow me to bend my knee any further. Mm -hmm. Like you cannot force it because it's giving all these pain receptors to me, telling me that you can't move your knee in that, in that direction. And so until I can get rid of some of that pain, there's no way I'm going to improve it because my body just will yeah. not allow me to do it. Right, exactly. Forcing the bend, I don't think, is what would fix it. Believe it or not, almost the exact opposite of that, of getting on the slam board and forcing the right muscles to engage is actually how I would approach it. Awesome. That gets Thank me you. excited. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Last note yeah. is that... No, no, last note for her is that... Um, it may oh for her don't go yeah. there. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> um, she's running away. <laughs> re- realize that like it's going to be like an exponential graph because the fr- at first it's going to be so hard to get the muscle to feel. You see what I mean? Like yeah. just put the money in the bank, come back the next, and it's going to compound, and then weeks, months. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you can't be hard on yourself at the beginning of that process. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you just try to get some feeling in the right, some pain-free feeling in the right, and then a little bit more, and then a little bit more. Once you're getting to now, now imagine taking those muscles to utter failure with no joint pain. That's right. the end goal that we're trying to get to. But right. that that's all I wanted to say, is that don't try to push through the pain to get there, because that could cause more damage than we even have time to recover by the time, because strength takes time to recover. But So what if the... What if the strength has recovered, but but the pain that you put in hasn't recovered yet? Now you actually can't get stronger. Do you see what I mean? So if, if it takes you longer to recover from the pain, then it takes for then the strength is. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like like you can't drive up your bench press benching once every three months. Like I mean that's a a really like big bad example, but you see my point is that if you push through pain, it could cause too much damage to recover. So, so what you're saying? No working through pain. No work. No working through pain. Acknowledge yourself for every 1% more that you feel. 1% more is a lot to feel a little bit because what if you actually did that for a year? You see what I mean? Where could your life, I mean, life is, life could be long for us, you know? Every mm-hmm. day is a blessing, but shit, this could be long. Mm-hmm. So like, where could you be in a year from now, you know? Yeah. I usually share with people um, in terms of like just strength training in general, like I, I don't think anything should be above like a level three out of 10. And and maybe even lower, like you really... No, but that's proven. You yeah. really shouldn't yeah. have hardly any pain when yeah. you're training. Now, now, you might be uncomfortable and something might feel, you know, for me, like I've been dealing with like a left hip thing for quite some time, a right knee thing for quite some time, a left elbow thing for quite some, Like I have these little things and they're just there and they're... It's always left hip, right knee. It's always the opposite. Yeah, right, right. But it's just very, it's just very, it's just very tiny, you know, mm-hmm. so these are things that... I know it's not great to just like live with these things and just to keep pushing forward, but I don't feel like I, like I'm not, they're, they're not really, really painful. They're very, very two or a three on a pain scale is actually proven clinically to work. Meaning it is proven that if you push through a two or three, it works. Now I try to push for no pain. You see what I mean? Like I think I agree with that. I think it's a worthy goal to push for no pain Mm -hmm. because have you ever tried, um, like, 
you know when you have a program you have to like hold a weight for like a three count or something and then you watch back your film and it was like 1.2 seconds yeah so i feel like <laughs> if you ever train with charles Paulquin, he does it the other way right, right. one two you're, you're literally sweating yeah, with yeah. like <laughs> anyways but the the point is that i feel like it's good to know the data it's good to know that a two or three actually works mm. But not to let that turn into a four or five. Well, and I, I like what you're saying here too, because this is similar to uh, just how we lift in general. Like, you know, let's say there's a 15 year old kid, and the kid wants to have a big back, you know, and you tell him about some of the basic movements, and you, you know, you see Insema do a a bent over row, and he does it with very strict form. Well, for that 15 year old kid, I, I would say do it like Insema is doing. You know, utilize that really strict form. But at the same time, if it's if it's really, really limiting and the kid can't use any weight, yeah. I would say, you know, put on a belt, maybe get a little bit of momentum in there just for a set or two. Not nothing crazy. Just add a little bit of weight, use a little bit of body English and then reduce the weight and finish out your sets, uh, you know, with with the strict form as you can possibly handle. So, yeah, these are like these that, little that two or three is proven. I just yeah, think right. that people need to know and still be striving, be striving yes. for perfection. All right. But it is, I mean, well, it, it, it raises a question, right? When you have a two or a three, now you can say, well, this is something I should be addressing because it really, I shouldn't have any pain there at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, what if you get even stronger and no pain? That would, you see what I mean? Like, that would be a great indicator. Because I know when I've been my strongest, um, I could go, I could drop a weight so fast that it would scare everybody. They're like, what the, I'd take out like a 500 pound bench press and I would drop it right away and just like let the thing go. Because I knew I was plenty strong. Like I was like, I'm going to smash this fucking thing. When it gets to my chest, I'm going to wind up. I'm going to coil up and just blast it. And then the same thing was uh, with squats. And if you watch at Westside Barbell, they do something called accelerated eccentrics, which mm -hmm. is when they're training with bands and training mm -hmm. with chains. I mean, these are big guys. You know, these are 300 plus pound guys that you wouldn't really, you're not really thinking about speed with these guys, but they drop down in those squats yeah. so fast. And, that's a great indication that I would imagine that that guy doesn't have any pain inhibition because if he did, yep. he would be like, let me, hold on, yeah. you know. <laughs> That's an incredible amount of force because you're adding yeah. this. When I first did the the, the knee over toe demo, mm -hmm. I was showing how like, if you go slow though, remember I tried to shoot him fast. Yeah. Exactly what Mark is saying now, which is that you don't have that, that pain. It's actually more force, mm -hmm. like dropping it rapidly like that. But ov overall, I think it's a good... I think it's a good topic that that little bit of wiggle room to if, if you can get a little more wiggle room to get a little stronger, it, it does seem like scientifically that actually works, you know, mm -hmm. but it, the key is not letting that wiggle room turn into, you know, more and more and more. Or, and more. yeah, you kind of lie to yourself and it's exactly. now a four, and, and it's now like you, a four yeah. or five. And now your buddy's going all you and then, yeah. you know, <laughs> and now it fucks because you have all your percentages laid out based on a Dude, false Dude, I only took and, five pounds off, I yeah. swear. I just mm -hmm. get a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love everything you're saying because it's just cementing everything that. I have in my mind right now. Um, I actually had a conversation with Stuart McGill regarding my oh, back. Wow. wow. And yeah, he basically said the same thing. Like you need to spend more time out of pain. And like, uh, as we're doing like this consultation, like I stood up like kind of like just like a lazy piece of shit. Like, and he's like, Whoa, he's like, no, no, no. He's like, you don't do that anymore. He's like, every time you cause pain, you have to take $50 out of your bank account. He's like, every time you move without pain, sorry, I don't know if I said that wrong, but every time I you think, hurt yourself, yeah. Uh, you got to pay $50. Every time you move without pain, you get an extra $100. So it's sort of like, uh, and this isn't the way he put it, but this is how I interpreted it. It takes like 100 
uh, movements without pain to get one step better. Mm. The way I looked at it in the past was like no pain, no gain. So it's like, mm. okay, I do three movements without pain. I hurt myself on the fourth. That's okay. I'm going to keep, keep continuing and go four, five, six. He's like, no, when you hurt yourself, you go back down to zero mm. and you have to keep building up like the good credits of not being in pain. He's like, cause otherwise you're not really, for my situation, mm. you're not really going to develop strength and you're not going to repair yourself. You're just going to keep going back to square one. Yeah. So I really like, again, really appreciate everything you're saying. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. It reminds me of um what you said and what Mark was saying reminds me of Tom Platts and how he could just like Shit. dip into those deep knee bends, you know, <laughs> like, and like, look at the legs he was able to build. You know what I mean? So He's still able to squat yeah. being old. Yeah. But there's something, there's something to be said there. Cause I've seen people who mentally can never get over just pushing, pushing through some stuff, you know? And it's like, yeah, like to, to, yeah, look at that speed or watching some West Side yeah. Barbell guys yeah. and they got like about four plates and they have, you know, two or 300 pounds of bands on there and they're just flying through the weights. Yep. Actually, there might, this looks like there's maybe a hundo on there too. <laughs> <laughs> Quick question, like specifically for like maybe jujitsu athletes, because like those types of athletes and even um, just grapplers, MMA athletes, uh, they're put into a lot of positions that is wonky on the knee. They're put into mm -hmm. a lot of submissions yeah. that pull on the tendons, yeah. right? And that, that like, if a guy's put in a heel hook, he can rip a guy's like ACL Ooh. apart, right? Yeah. So you were talking about tendon strength. And I've heard you even mention in a video like tendon hypertrophy. Um, yeah. So, so what, tendons and ligaments hypertrophy. Yeah. You know what? What like? I guess like they have anabolic qualities. Mm -hmm. Like, what would be some great movements that could help with that? That maybe they can add into what they're currently doing. I mean, it would be great if they could just go into the program and just do yeah. that specific program that you have. But well, if they could add something in, well, I mean, if we start with a good example of the slant board, for example, you know, like, mm -hmm. all right, well, how much does someone squat? But if if their knee is going to hurt to go, you know, on a slant board, then clearly like the tendons not matching the muscles there. So yeah. I, I think there is something kind of going on in the broader scheme of sports where I think that the muscles are so badly outdoing the tendons and ligaments. Um, That's me. <laughs> yeah. So, so you don't see, you know, you see the muscles, you know, you see the 40 yard dash. You don't see if maybe that guy has chronic pain. It's know? my understanding that they respond pretty good to higher reps. Is that correct? Or am I off I, on that? Well, I think you have a, a blood flow thing. And as long as you're like avoid, like if we look at like the sled, right. And how it can give you an opportunity to like get a pain-free pump. But then look at the angle we were in. Our knee was over our toe. So really, it can take a step back and, and pumping an area to actually just get into the position that does develop the tendon. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, that seems to be really good stuff is, is really anything that you're getting uh, stronger with that heel elevated knee over toe seems to load that tendon. But again, if, if you're pushing through pain but now if you start to get a pump and 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 you're feeling those muscles working that would be a good indication that probably the tendon is getting stronger too um and then even in terms of the ligaments it does seem to be that there's something to be said for the full bend you know it's um quite literally meaning like like literally like the the quality of the full bend itself like not just the, the like full knee flexion yeah okay exactly um so like not just from a not just from training the muscles perspective, but literally the fact of it, you know, just sandwiching itself on it, you know, like mm -hmm. it's like, 
oh, that'll hurt your knee or whatever. Like the way these bodies are, they just kind of like adapt to the shit that we, we do with them, you know? I understand what you're saying. Kelly Strutt refers to as overpressure. You know, when you're yeah. in the bottom of a, uh, of a squat, you know, he was talking about 10 minute squats where you just, oh yeah, you know, you just pop a squat and just uh, stay there for a bit. But I, it's really interesting because what you're saying in, in some ways would be that if we can express ourselves uh, in these positions and come out of these positions pain free, uh, there's well causing adaptation. There's, there's you know? a lot more potential there yep. to get stronger than there probably is from just flat out squatting all the time. Yep. You know, we might be able to progress our squat. You know, we might be able to go from a 700 pound squat to an 800 pound squat and all these things. But if we stopped for a minute and addressed some of these uh, nuances that we that might we might think is annoying or monotonous, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if we address these things, maybe maybe eight hundred is in our limit now. Maybe yeah. our ceiling is now you know eight eighty one until we get you know further yeah. progress. And I think road. I think there's a couple really good examples, and I think one really good example is Steffi Cohen doing the the full knee bend. I mean, it's causing a lot of adaptation there. She may not even know what a regular lifter feels like in their knees. She may be feeling so much better. She has no idea how shitty, you know, mm -hmm. the rest of us felt, you know, trying to build our squats. And then on the other side is is the jumping. So I've had to make videos because, you know, even well-known sports trainers and stuff put out, you know, so much data about the quarter squat is ideal for vertical jump. Okay, well, these are usually testing short-term studies. So I know for a fact, because I have video, you know, this video footage of Stefan Holm. So Stefan Holm, in terms of competition, he was a high jumper who won a gold medal as a 5'11 dude in the high jump. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he has the greatest head to height differential. So the world's highest jumper of all time, squatted ass to grass, full knee bent, cheeks to sneaks, bum, bum. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> But here's what's really dope about it. He's in his 40s now, and he's still bouncy as fuck. Mm -hmm. So why would he do that if that doesn't look like what a high jump To me, it like? makes absolutely no sense to say that a quarter squat is going to be necessarily great for, a, uh, for, a, for jumping ability, since I believe that so much jumping ability comes from your butt. And yeah, you can't it, really it, tap into the glute very well unless you're getting down there in the squat. It's true. So I think, I think for short term, I think... Sure, a quarter squat may work better in a study in the short term, but my God, where where are all these short term coaches getting people doing full, you know, full range of motion? You see what I mean? Like it takes me damn near thirty six weeks to develop that in someone. My God, what is some college, you know, grad student having people do for a full squat? But but again, none of that matters. I don't matter. the The studies that have been done don't matter. Stefan Holm does matter. This isn't just, you know. I'm not basing a whole system on one case, but that is, it still fucking matters. Look one, at the Olympic lifters and look at the shot putters. These guys yeah. can all do cleans and snatches very proficiently. And uh, I've seen, you know, 350 pound shot putters jump up on a reverse hyper machine before. That's all the proof I need, you know, yep. <laughs> to, yep. see, to see what some of these things can do, you know? Yeah. So if the world's greatest recorded jumper ever was, and, and in high jump, so many guys refused to do the deep bend that he was doing, you know what I mean? But his resilience now is insane. He's in, still in his 40s jumping. Was a goal. Also, he was the Cal Ripken of high jump. He wasn't just a high. He would go to the local and regional meets that he wasn't even required to go to just to put out for fans. You know, like he was a, he was just a regular dude, you know, who was, so he competed more 
and jumped higher mm-hmm. and was doing full. Now he trained all the, you know, he trained all the different positions in his hamstrings and, and, and shorter box step ups and stuff. But the point is that clearly a full pen squat doesn't make you not jump high. Yeah. And then there's another guy in the, the guy who appears to be the highest jumper in like the dunking world. It's not like high jump where they have a measurable, but it's this French dude, Kadur Ziani, who's yeah. like flying yeah. through the air. And you want to talk about full knee bend. Holy crap. You know, this guy's Andrew, balls are on this. his heels. Kadur Ziani is actually my mentor. Now, if I show you like we, we message every day. Whoa. So Kadur's my jump mentor because I, I told you my plan that now I have to have insane longevity added to the equation. And he's 47, 5'11", still dunking. Okay. So, Kadur, plus Stefan Holm, plus Steffi Cohen. Fuck every study ever it's been done. That's, <laughs> that's enough for me. Right. Yeah. You see yeah. what I mean? The studies have inaccuracy. Stefan Holm's high jump didn't have inaccuracy. Kadur Ziani doing fucking triple 360. Steffi Cohen, that was measurable on the bar. Every study that's ever been done is subject to a ton of inaccuracy compared to those. I'll take those three cases any mm-hmm. day. Now add mine to it. Add, you know. Whoever else, you see what I mean? Yeah. And that there's video footage that you have had on your channel, like Kador doing these full knee bend walks That's on what like I'm a saying. sidewalk. Like it's he like, puts me to shame, honestly. Like, it's like that, crazy. Like Kador has more range of motion and more like probably more knee ability than I do. Like that's my point. It's like mm-hmm. he's, you know, takes he takes it to whatever extremes possible. And he's out there in, in France at playgrounds and stuff with no weights having to figure out how do I put load and how do I, I mean... Anyways, yeah. have you seen uh, everyone be able to end up with pain-free ability or uh, are they just able to maybe manage their pain better or, or, or end up with just less pain? I would compare exactly as if some newbie said to you, can ever, you know, do some people just not gain muscle? Do some right. people just not get, like, I've tried everything. I just don't gain muscle. There's different levels. Every guy but, who comes yeah. to you and says, I've tried everything. I just don't. That's how I feel. See, because people ask me that question. Like, I, you know, am I just a special case? Like, how do I know it's going to work for me? Well, it's going to be relative, but like, it's not my opinion. Like, it's just biology, like how it works, you know? Mm -hmm. So So you can make progress no matter who you are and you can have less pain. I've never seen anyone who just like couldn't make progress. Right. right. But there's definitely head cases who, in anything they choose in life, we'll figure out how to not make progress. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like it's pretty easy to not make, like anyone can not, but anyone who's tried, you know what I mean? That's why I built this on training, just endless people in person. We never saw such a thing as someone who couldn't make progress. It didn't exist. We never saw that. Mm-hmm. I would have old ladies on the sled and they couldn't even drag the sled. And so I would be pushing the sled with some additional assistance and yeah. then and then build them to the point that they could do it on their own. You know, but like, like, Jesus, man, if I've trained 70, 80 year old ladies, like, and if they made gains, mm-hmm. yeah, no one has any excuses. One thing that I've seen from you that, that was like super exciting was this guy named George Heckenschmidt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The hack squat. Wish we had videos, but we have pictures of him at 75 jumping over something like as high as this table. Yeah. Okay. And it's talk insane. about crazy full knee bend and stuff it's I, it's too bad we don't have like videos yeah, of that fucking but. inventor of the hack squat <laughs> what's really sad is that that machine resembles nothing of what right he, right what, what the hacks it's kind of like the sissy squat machine thing yeah. right like that's not at all what anyways i mean it's just what about some of the machines in the gym uh these like not great tools because they did you know i sometimes hear people say they cause shearing forces i think i think i've heard about leg extension hack squat like what are 
What are some of your I mean, opinions? They do make it feel like uh, your knees are going to explode sometimes. I mean, you know? number one, I don't feel like there's any, I don't feel like there's any such thing as a bad motion, but I feel like certain machines, I mean, at least master your own weight and free weights first, you know? Um, yeah. And then there are, I think there are some pretty dope things you can do with some machines, but I don't use any in my system. Plus again, I'm like, I'm, I'm just trying to make this stuff accessible. You know what I mean? If anything, if there is a machine that works, I'm trying to figure out how do you makeshift that machine? Right. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, so, um, like things of that nature, mm -hmm. that's kind of like, this is a uh, Shane Hammond doing a thousand pound squat. So um, the, uh, the, the thousand pound squat was so fast that like the footage like I can't find a video of it. Like <laughs> the, you just see him. Uh, he he has it loaded up, and then he squats down. The camera can't follow him, and then he comes up, and that's all you see. So this oh, wow. is this is four ten um, kilos, but yeah, this is insane. Okay, yeah, this is a nine hundred two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this guy. I want to say he had like thirty inch calves. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Something just absolutely insane like that, from what I I recall. Um, he was an Olympic lifter, I believe. Oh Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Play that one again. That's, I mean, there's a guy who's kind of like, he obviously has no pain, right? I mean, you're not going to move like that. If, oh, if, God. if you had any pain at all. <laughs> well, let's imagine if, a, if he had to pick up a cow, his knee wouldn't break. You know, right. if he had to, <laughs> Like it's just survive, you know. It's just, Which when you're on the carnivore diet, yeah. you know, you need you to pick up a cow that. every other day or so. <laughs> there's another one. Like yeah. That. Oh my goodness. And there's examples of this nonstop. You know, you go and look at the uh, again. You don't look no further than some of the Olympic lifters. They're just uh, yeah. They're social and and they're not even big guy. I mean, this is a huge guy. Yeah. Look how big his legs are. My what? God. My God. <laughs> he comes up a lot slower than he goes down. Mm -hmm. My God. But that's that reversal strength, and, you know, that, that can be, I mean, that's a lot of what you're demonstrating when you're jumping down, you know, you're jumping down from the ladder. Yeah, um, out, have, out in sports, it's yeah, right. those, that eccentric fast, for, like, you can't, like, you can only run and jump as high as you can put the speed into, and then, hand, and then handle that, so. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of uh, Jay Schroeder? Um, oh. Years ago, him and, like, Adam Archuleta and all those I feature Adam in a ton of my videos yeah. because Jay set up like a six-year plan. He used to jump off his roof, right? <laughs> he used to do a lot. <laughs> he used to do a lot of eccentric training. Dre Schroeder had the craziest. I mean, I I used to read a little bit of it, but yeah. I kind of lost interest because I was like, "This is too fucking crazy." I don't even know what he's talking about. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. I've taken only one piece from his system, to be honest, and it was the fact that this fucker could do weighted nordics you know and, and that he started and they would like laugh at him because he had no hamstrings they said he had a nice face for a girl in the gym um and yeah he was it, you can see it on an espn interview i yeah. feature this interview in my videos and so the part of the plan was to make hamstrings and so he would do like weighted eccentrics like so he got mm -hmm. it took him but my favorite part of it is that right there on camera and sports center it says it took him two and a half years just to do a flat nordic I think that's such a powerful statement because here's a, a movement that's proven to help protect your ACL and, and all this. And, but it took him two and a half years just to do one, you know? So that I actually based a lot of my shit on that concept of like, where are you now? But like, where could you be right. on the right plan? And, you know, he's, 
he ended up being a first round draft pick in the NFL and the guy never should have even gotten a scholarship to college. You know, it was a, <laughs> yeah. he was laughed at for the idea of even getting a scholarship to college, you know, skinny, you know, slow kid mm-hmm. ended up being a first round draft pick known for his strength and his speed. Yeah. yeah trying to do an absolute freak, like a combine freak. Yeah. Now with something like that, um, you know, it's like, why weren't there more of him? You know, like there's, and anyone could come right. at, Anyone could attack my system from a number of ways as well, but I do believe that there probably was just a a, a higher risk, you know, within that system. So I feel like if if Jay took his genius and maybe made like a like more of a scaled down program, um, I, I think there's a lot of genius to what was going on there. But but like you said, it was it was so extreme that I think most of us would have gotten kind of hurt in the process. Yeah, I saw jumping off the roof and I'm like, I'm uh, this is where I'm jumping off to. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the difference is I do it to demo. The difference is this kind of stuff was like part of their program. Like, <laughs> yeah. They would also do it. They would also pick him up and drop him so that he would catch himself in a push-up position. Mm. And you can see video of him with 225 and he would do drop. So he would hold the bar and he would let go of the bar and he would catch it just above his chest. Oh, right, right, right. Oh. Yeah. And for his size, he had the strongest bench ever at the time for a player of his size. Wow. So he would they would they would hold him up by the feet on one side and the and the hands on the other side, and they would <laughs> drop him and he So you get my point. It's like you know, if that could be turned into a scaled thing, it, it just shows that a human body can adapt. What doesn't kill it. So I'm just trying to create something where <laughs> we're not going anywhere near those risks in the process, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But we're following that concept that that yeah like it's it's a body it can get stronger it can adapt period that's one of the coolest things i think about your program because um you have all these really really like some of the regressions that you see in it it's just like it's so simple that someone would not be like why the fuck am i going to do that but it's if if you can't do this just start at this really simple thing and you can slowly build up that's how it was with my right knee like i couldn't get into that position without pain like i couldn't freaking do this without pain initially yep. and then slowly i was able to build up to yep. be able to do it from yep. a little bit of height it yep. just it, it makes and, a big and difference. that's i recognize my role is to make that boring shit look cool you know mm-hmm. that's honestly like i do these videos to try to make that shit look cool you know yeah. but um but my biggest thing is like everything in my system like my mom has to be able to do it like if mm-hmm. she can't she's actually like my my proving ground like if she can't do it then i know it's not a scalable enough thing yeah. because what about the person who's so powerful that in their own way they're fragile because that of that weak point you know mm-hmm. so it's like it, it has to start in that anyone can do it yeah so yeah and it it doesn't look cool it doesn't look fancy you know what i mean but it works but when you see a dunk then it's like all right fuck it i'll yeah. i'll do it to be else right? you know what i mean like yeah where yeah. where was the first places that you started to make progress because you mentioned you were been on this journey for a really long time started when you're about 12 you recognize like my knees are shit and you had surgeries and did a bunch of stuff and then the backward sledding is that what you started my car in neutral yeah so like i would i started realizing i was going to the gym and i started realizing i was getting best gains by me and my buddy would go down to the parking lot put put my car in neutral and push it backwards and i was getting more gains outside of the gym putting my car pushing it backwards was like your butt so yeah like so your butt's against it and and uh, you get that'll fucking kill your legs yeah get the the most (laughs) phenomenal workout yeah but yeah, just the concept of going backwards and, and, you know, I was trying to play basketball. So I do think that it, it took, you know, it took that loading and that was directly from Charles Poliquin and Keegan Smith. And again, a ton, tons of greats have done this, you mm-hmm. know, but it's like, why is that not like, why is every basketball basically like 
every basketball player just needs to be aware of that. It doesn't mean that now basketball magically becomes pain-free, but shit, if you make some of this stuff part of a lifestyle, mm. my God, it doesn't have to wreck your knees mm. and you don't have to be taking painkillers. You don't have to be icing your knees. I, I, it, you really can create a massive shift over time. Um, that was the first thing I noticed. Car in neutral, pushing it backwards. Yeah. And what were some of the progressions from that point? Well, in Charles's thing, Charles is huge on the squat, right? Like, mm -hmm. Charles never respected me because I wasn't that strong. I'm going to be <laughs> honest, okay? Um, but it's because I couldn't really get into his programs with the, with the full squat, right? Um, like, I would, you see, I have pretty good mobility, and in person, like, he'd be telling me to go deeper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, okay? absolutely, yeah. So, but... He was also used to training national level athletes, world-class athletes. Mm -hmm. I was no such thing, you know? So I don't think he was used to someone with like as weak of knees as me. So it really was these polar ends of like the super gentle shit, you know what I mean? Of the backwards sledding, backwards car, backwards hill, backwards dead, you know what I mean? Whatever you can find. You can actually use like a duffel bag. Uh, sandbags are like four bucks for 50 pounds. I find that half your body weight in sand mm -hmm. in a bag, use a strap, go out to a field, world-class knee workout. Dragging it? Yep. Okay. Eight bucks. Like, who doesn't have a duffel bag and, like, a strap or a rope? Of, you mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. Eight yep. bucks. So, so it was all that shit while trying to figure out how the hell to get into a squat without it hurting all the way down. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so that's my, my king became that split squat. Now I play basketball. I have actually decent. I I actually have decent muscle mass for a basketball player, yeah. but so the the squat I only use like part of the year as like a finishing touch to add more power and development. So that split squat has become like my rock that I use at all times. Mm -hmm. Every week of my life, I train my strength in that ass to grass split squat. So that's that was my big thing was coming from where I was trying to get into those squats without them hurting. But even the split squats, I couldn't really get into. Um, which that's how I became so obsessed with the step-ups and even a lot of the step-ups I couldn't get into. So I became obsessed with the tibia. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like, it literally went on a regression from squat, regress to split squat, regress to step-up, regress to the tibialis and the, and the backwards with the gar. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, there you go right there. That's, that's my career in a nutshell. And then also, meanwhile, trying to figure out hamstring progress. Cause I crazy, you know, I would like drop like a bag of potatoes on a Nordic and stuff. And now people are like, man, I could never do that. And it's like, Bro, like I had the weakest Nordics. Now I have world class fucking knee flexion strength too. You yeah. Know? So, so that that whole side. But there it is. Like if you just made all right, that would be a sixty second podcast. There's my there's all my secrets. Squat <laughs> regresses to split squat, which regresses to reverse step up. There's a I'm doing a video today showing the different reverse step ups. There's a logical order, but it's really that simple. Anyone could anyone could create a wonderful knee system by regressing squat to ass to grass split squat to reverse step up to tibialis and, and backwards sledding, whatever you find. We had a uh, Cal Dietz, uh, who's a world renowned strength coach, uh, come to our gym and he showed us a bunch of different cool techniques. And this was one of them where he had us, uh, he had me doing, um, like kind of a single leg squat. And, uh, he's just telling me to, you know, kind of do whatever, you know, whatever I'm able to handle at the moment. But he also is, uh, he was teaching, uh, people to be on their toe, uh, to have their heel, off the ground and to uh you know press their toe into the ground hard and, and kind of flex the calf because 
a lot of the athletes he deals with, he's like, this is a position you end up in all the time, you know, when you're it's the most athletic position yeah. in, in basketball, football, you know, running. I thought for running, sure jumping. when he's showing me this exercise, see, now he's showing you a way to kind of avoid the pain and, and go way back into it. But I thought for sure, I'm like, that's going to kill my knee. It didn't hurt my knee. I didn't feel it in my knees at all. Major VMO engage. Right. That's gold for the tenants. He's 100% right. And my system does exactly that. Not that movement. I guess for me, I'm obsessive about measurables, like mm -hmm. obsessive. Like I need to know the exact degree. So to, to approximate exactly what's doing, going on there, mm -hmm. I have to use two different movements. Right. I have to use that astrograss split squat yeah. and I have to use the Peterson step up. So the, the Peterson step up is where you're, you're on the ball of your foot. Right. And, mm -hmm. and so this is, this is the king of step ups. The problem is without slant board training, most people can't even hold this position yeah. and without, so, I mean, but I'm, we're going to, I'm going to do that in the gym. So, right. so like, this is a, that is so tough. That regressive, that was, so that ball of foot, knee over toe strength at the same time. Yeah. He's a hundred. It's the most athletic. That's literally watch Michael Jordan. The, the game mm -hmm. is played like yeah. it's played on the ball of our foot with our knee over toe. That's a very tough position. So that reverse step up on the ball of foot created by Carl Peterson, who was a Canadian downhill ski coach mm -hmm. who took him from like riddled with knee surgeries to just cleaning up. I literally like strong. And then, but Paul Quinn found that people couldn't do that. So Paul Quinn's the one who threw the slamp word on there. So a slamp word reverse mm -hmm. step up allowed people to then get into that. And what I found coming from a basketball point, because think about both those positions, the Peterson step up and then the Paul Quinn step up. There's no ankle mobility going on. And so I found that basketball players' ankle mobility was so bad, they don't have enough soleus strength that it was. it's asking for Achilles problems. So he's demonstrating right now his feet are totally flat and his knees are way over his toes. Yeah. So, uh, which is really hard to, you know, for me to get in a position yeah. like that. Yeah. So you see that if you're stiff there, then you have the excess pressure going. So it's kind of like, so, so I build, so yeah, I, Name this shit after my own last name. I mean, you got Peterson, Pollock, and Patrick. My last name is Patrick. So uh -huh. it just it just made sense. So, all right. So, but imagine here for a second. So good, good. Imagine that. Now imagine the stronger you are in that position, that's your foundation. Then we put the slant board. Then we remove the slant board and we simply find better gains from that. Mm -hmm. That That's all. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Then you could imagine how something like basketball becomes like actually super easy. Mm -hmm. where, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, like where did, especially I guess when it comes to strength training here, I remember when I was in college, right? You'd be squatting and the, the, the strength coach would be like, don't let your knees go over your toes. Don't let that happen. Like where, where did that kind of come into play? Because I remember that all the way, like not just college, but high school, like don't they, let your knees go over your toes. You know, there seems to be a number of sources. There was both. You know, there's some well-known basic studies that when your knee is over your toe, it puts more pressure on your knee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but if you word that a certain way, you can scare millions of people out of it. Mm -hmm. um, and then there does seem like, I, I'm not a historian on it because at this point, I just like, look, I, I use studies because I'm just trying to help everybody and a lot of people won't even look at my system unless I cite my sources and stuff like that. Yeah. But I actually don't give a shit about any study that's ever been done on anything. So, um, I agree hundred percent. So, so 
so I'm not a historian on this, but yeah. some of my friends have put together really cool things showing how there was this guy who was just on this rampage of not letting people put their knees over their toes. And he did these studies and gotten Sports Illustrated, but it was just super biased crap. And he had this certain machine that, that mm. tested it. Like there was a guy on the opposite rampage of the one I'm on, <laughs> right. you know, and, and that, that scared. And it was just him promoting. I mean, like you can get, you, you can be wrong and you could, if I challenge Mark, he could probably make a company that wasn't that like he could probably just make that shit work. And and you see what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it right. doesn't. So so the right kind of person can get some shit done, even if it's not really, you know, so so there was a guy who. Uh, well, just overloading, you know, overloading a squat with your knees over your toes, yeah. uh, you know, start getting into like, you know, heavier weights. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe with your goal maybe it's intentional and maybe because of what you're doing and the result that you're looking for you're doing it in a much different fashion maybe you are intentionally flexing your calves and maybe your heel is off the ground not even necessarily elevated by anything but maybe it's a practice that you get into to really strengthen the knees and to make the knees better yeah. but as you're going to squat you know a pr Maybe it's not in your best interest, no. you know, because we would see powerlifters exactly. everywhere. Exactly. They would be squatting and driving the knees yeah. forward. Oh, no. and, and I think that's valid, too, is I think that it would be just as incorrect to force someone. You see what I mean? Right. Like, I only, I, I just want to be protected in life and do what I enjoy without pain. Mm -hmm. That happens to have forced me to do some, you know, knees over toes training. There's nothing magical about knees over toes. For You need to be crazy strong with your knees behind your toes, too. You see mm -hmm. what I mean? There's nothing. So that that's really... Uh, that's really the thing there is, is anything forcing someone into the position they're not strongest in, in a time, you know, like, I think it's just gotten exaggerated, you know, yeah. like you should definitely be uh, looking to drive your knee over your toe when you're doing like a lunge. Yeah. I there, mean, again, not, not forcing anything, but that I just should think be should kind be, of the goal. I just think we should be fucking strong in every possible way. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that whatever our weakest link is could bite us in the ass. Yeah. It doesn't mean it will, but it could. Yeah. And we're seeing that this mass avoidance of knees over toe. I wouldn't even be here and I wouldn't even want to be here if the stats looked good on these, but right. they look so scary bad. It's really upsetting when you see how many kids in their teens are having knee surgeries and shit and who have been forced and are in the weight room, not allowed. And now they're, so that's the only reason I'm doing this. If, if the stats weren't there, that this shit was horrible, you know, uh, knee replacements was at like 790,000 last year. And now that in the, in the, Latest American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, they're predicting it to now 4X over the next decade. Hey, I'm predicting my profit to go up as well. I don't know about you. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I want my yeah. business to survive. So there is no like American Academy of alternative, you know what I mean? Like there's no like respect. It's not part of the, it's you, the medical is respected and then the alternative is like somehow like this rogue disrespect, you know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. um, that's why I'm doing this. The stats are the stats are horrid. The stats are really bad for our knees in direct relation, as we see in populations with restricting knees over toes. And then you look in certain cultures where they don't have that restriction and they're doing a lot better with their knees. It sounds like you're a fan of many different types of motions and 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 body weight exercises and and then progressing onward into, you know, utilizing some weight. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on something like a wall sit? Have do you use that in your practice at all or? Cause that's a torturous exercise. Yeah, I don't because I don't find that it prioritizes that lower quad. And I right. guess I guess I find that people are already 
stronger in that position than they would be. Like, I guess, I guess if someone's going to say, I want to do a wall split, I would say, okay, turn around face the wall, get those knees as far ah. as you can. Now hold, hold that position for two yeah. minutes. If you are going to do the wall, like, right, right. like at least for every set of wall sit, right, do right. a set of reverse wall sit. There, that could be a game changer sounds, for sports teams. Well, that sounds horrifying. But it's just, <laughs> but it's just be good at it's just be good at both of them. Do you yeah. see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because knees aren't getting hurt in this position. Mm-hmm. Knees are getting hurt in this position. And if you look at ACL and people talk about all this valgus stuff, look at a land like you're you're when you do a landing, where the fuck is your knee going to go? Mm-hmm. And if it can't go over your toe, it goes in. Mm-hmm. And so we see a direct relation when people do like step down tests. If they can't go knee over toe. So again, we don't have testing on like the exercises. There's no Poliquin step-up study or Peterson mm-hmm. step-up study. There should have been. These things produce gold medals. They saved athletes. But we know it, it's right there in science. The weaker you are with your knee over toe, more likely to tear your ACL. I remember years ago uh, in the NFL, they they eliminated uh, cowboy collar tackles. That's where you, you drag the guy down by the back of his uh, jersey, kind of jump on his back and pull him down. And the reason they outlawed it was because the the running, whoever had the ball, Mm. in that particular instance was in a really compromised position. And again, so like, uh, you know, kind of back to that scenario of Louis Simmons saying you should be able to wake somebody up in the middle of the night. They should be able to go run if they're an NFL uh, running back. Maybe, maybe you don't practice like this particular mobility all the time, or maybe you don't uh, get yourself in all these different positions. But if you don't possess the ability to get in those positions, you're going to end up with a career ending injury just from somebody tackling you in some weird way Other, otherwise you could have avoided it if you had the mobility there's actually if you can bring up a video of chad ike's uh, uh falling from a squat chad had tremendous strength and tremendous um uh tremendous um flexibility he falls with this huge squat and it looked like he died but he was totally fine wow. afterwards he, yep. got, he actually finished, he My, finished Michael the competition. Michael Jordan had that happen sometimes where you would see almost a near identical thing to Jordan of a mm-hmm. guy at like... See if you can get the audio on this. He screams. It's fucking wild. Wow. This is actually at APF Senior Nationals that oh Bigger, gosh. Stronger, Faster was also filmed. Big, big boy right there. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, and he was okay. He was totally. He just he yeah. just stood up right there, and he, yeah. you know, he was a little stunned for a few yeah. minutes, and he was, and then but everyone's it didn't like his career up. Or... Well, everyone's like, "Are you okay?" He's like, "Uh," he's like, "Yeah, I think I'm fine." <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, we were all like, "Like, what's what's?" You know, we thought like at least he tore something in his abs or something because oh, he, right. he rolled back so hard. But he didn't since we're seeing the powerlifting clips, Paul, you'll have to go to my YouTube because I had to dig through hours of footage to find this of michael jordan so it'll be on a video of mine the ah. truth the truth about farthest knees over toes so that's mm-hmm. a video i just did last week so pull that up on mine and then scan in there it's not a long video so you should be able to quickly see a, a clip of michael jordan falling and it's like what was the, the title sorry the truth about farthest knees over toes oh, should be the title that. i i send like i i turned my phone off so that it wouldn't <laughs> What are your thoughts about the sissy squat? The uh, oh, there we go, there we go. That's a uh, sissy squat. So this, the truth about farthest knees over toes and fullest knee bend. So the the point of this is just that like Shit. I'm only expressing human. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, good, yeah. good. All right, it's gonna go in slow mo. You can let it play. It'll show it a few times. Um, oh my god, look at that! 
Ouch. Right. Oh. So how many times on he, one leg? So my point here is, is how many times did he train look, that? Look, look right there. Look there. Boom. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. So, but Jordan his body had, has the, the ability. Jordan had ability. really beautiful VMOs naturally. Okay. I have respect for all trainers, but it is a simple fact that Michael Jordan was already back to back slam dunk NBA champion prior to meeting Tim Grover. Okay. True. Tim Grover now has the number one selling jump book of all time with Michael Jordan on the cover. Even though you can look at the tape and Michael Jordan never jumped even a centimeter higher. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm thinking about making a book with Bill Gates of how I got him written up. <laughs> Delete that. Delete that. No, but it is, it, it is, I, I would feel like yeah. shit, honestly. Right, right. To put out a book with Michael Jordan on the cover after, after he made that decision, he was going to go find Jordan. And, and you know what? And, and I think he probably helped Jordan. I just don't think it was ethical to put out a jump book when he's the one who targeted and found Jordan after he was already the best dunker in the right. world to then That's put true. him on the cover of a book that never made him jump higher. That's really right. And it's very misleading for a child like me. It's like 12, 13 idolizes Michael Jordan. When I was four, I didn't buy a toy or any, I, I didn't accept a toy even until I was like seven. Okay. I worked every chance I could doing whatever little jobs my parents could find mess, you know, wrote letters to all my relatives, send cash. Okay. Saved up a thousand dollars. I saved up a thousand dollars for a Michael Jordan rookie card. I made this decision when I was four. You know, when my other friends are like, who knows, you know, like trying to figure out like what Lego set to get. And I'm like, I'm going to get a Michael Jordan rookie card, yeah. you know? So I, so seven years old comes around to Christmas. My parents bought me a safe and I bought with my own money, a Michael Jordan rookie card. That's pretty obsessive about Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. So you could imagine how obsessed I was with that jump manual. And honestly, it was one of the things that kind of destroyed my knees because it was so much plyometric volume, which Jordan never did. Right. Okay. The honest book would have been breaking down his jump technique, which was gorgeous. And he had this beautiful jump technique. Nowhere in the book did it talk about jump technique. My whole life, I had no idea I was jumping differently than Michael Jordan. My muscles would have developed differently. I would have developed more jumping ability had I just gone out and practiced jumping mm -hmm. the way he jumped instead of doing a ton of drills that he never did. Right. Grover did effectively build his upper body. Right. I'm very confident. That you could have, right, 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 yeah. Okay, many people could have helped Michael Jordan develop his upper body. Right, it is the number one selling jump book of oh, all yeah. time. It did have me doing exercises. Yeah, give me the greatest athlete of all time, and I'll get him fucking jacked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I got right. no worries about that. I mean, write a write. You know, number one speed book. Go find right. Usain Bolt. Right, right. <laughs> and it would be the number one speed book, mm -hmm. even if you never knew him prior to his. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So. That, that's my only point is that that was a contributing factor for my knees. It wasn't honest and it didn't get me trying to jump the way Michael Jordan actually did. How badass know? were those jump shoes back in the day? Did you ever own a pair oh, of yeah. those or did that skip your, uh, your age bracket? I always wanted those. Dude, I used everything. Those also helped destroy my knees. You know? <laughs> um, to, to be honest, I think there's actually probably some pretty cool aspects to that. But what's really weird is that Michael Jordan and these guys didn't do any of that crap. Mm -mm. They didn't do plyometrics. They didn't do the jumpsuits. They jumped. Do you know how much force that is? But all right, I'm going to give you a perfect example and you'll understand my world in jumping, right? Because basketball revolves around jumping. 
Imagine if every like top selling powerlifting program and none of them. <laughs> Those are great. Unbelievable. Imagine if all the top selling <laughs> powerlifting programs and they didn't actually have you bench squat or deadlift. Right. That's all the top selling jump pro. You don't fucking learn how these guys are actually jumping. A running approach into a jump is a very specific technique. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? So I have friends. I have a guy in Canada named Tyler Ray. If people want to look him up, Project Pure Athlete. Um, again, I'm not like paid to say that. I just try to. I just try to put people in the right direction. So he's an example of a guy who's, he's simply coaching jump technique, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I learned a lot from him. Um, when somebody does like a long jump, they do a high jump. You see Jordan jumping. They almost always point the toe inward a little bit. Um, do you know anything about the relationship of what that is? Or what, I mean, you're, you're not going to, you're certainly not going to point your foot outward. Like I think yeah. you're going to lose a lot of force. That so, way. So like when Michael Jordan would do a two foot jump, he's jumping like this. Yeah. Be- he's I like, mean, he was very kind of pigeon, pigeon-toed be- in a way. But it's, be- but actually all the top jumpers do that. Yeah. Pull up, okay, pull up, Um, look up Connor Barth, C-O-N-N-O-R-B-A-R-T-H. This is a guy that I've trained a ton. He's one of my close friends. Um, Watch the YouTube version of this podcast, please, because mm-hmm. I you, know we're I don't know if you a have lot Insta- of visual. I don't know if you have Instagram on there or. Yeah. Okay. 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 Holy shit. Did you see the curve? So, yeah. Fuck. So. Um, oh, Jesus! all these guys. Are yep. I, I've had I've had most of these guys at my. So see that curve right there? Mm-hmm. That's because you can't take a force and then just stop it all in an instant. You have to. You have to keep going with that you have to force. Cut. You have to, you see what I'm saying? So your legs are going like this. What are you just going to abruptly stop right there? None of the top guys with none of these top guys stop with their feet side by side. I was mm. I was probably crushing too much pressure into my knee trying to right. stop all that force at once. It, do you, does that make sense? It's yeah. like yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I kind of consider it like you're like blocking, like you're, right. you're blocking. It's your too body's... hard of a block. Yeah. Yeah. And then it creates too much imbalance because then you're not really using. Jesus. That guy's head is over the front. Yeah. Hell. Yeah. Sick. I got to rewind that one. Hold yeah, on. Yeah. That was absolutely Now, this insane. is an example of a guy when, when he started with me, he was told he needed knee surgery. Oh, shit. Look at this. Yep. <laughs> but I'm not out here selling a book yeah, you're with right. him on it because guess what? <laughs> no. This is 90. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I would say his Dude, jumping. Where's the trampoline? Dude, guys gross. are jumping off trampolines, right? Look at that. That's crazy. That's I, crazy to produce that much force into the go ground. Go against like the this green. This is ninety-five percent from jumping. Just as a powerlifter has to build his bench squat deadlift. Mm-hmm. No one ever got me to master the art of. <laughs> no one ever got me to master the art of jumping. So the guys who jump well with the right form, they're actually building their muscles differently. Mm-hmm. They're not winding up with the same pains. Now, do you want to know why he needed knee surgery? And it happens to almost every one of these top guys, but it takes a while. Why? It's because they only do a certain plant. Yeah. Oh, one side. Over they and over. They do the over other over. plant. Yeah. Um, so I, I can dunk all four plants. So I can't just dunk. I can dunk running in right, left, left, right, running off one leg off my left nice. leg, running off one left off my right leg. So when I'm coaching someone, it's not, oh, you can dunk. Now let's try this. It's, oh, you can dunk. Now let's get the next plant. <laughs> mm-hmm. So if you want to develop elite young athletes for jumping, well, number one, don't have them do plyometrics. Just have them do their their sport thing. Master that shit. Have have the kid watch Michael Jordan in slow motion until his foot pattern looks the same. And then to make sure there's no injury down the road, have him master that from the other side with the other hand. Mm. Kobe Bryant was the best in NBA history. Has the most career dunks off all four plants. Mm. So Kobe mm. was the most balanced dunker in NBA history. And and people are like, yeah, we got an, eight, an Achilles. 
Dude, the guy played like 20 years at a yeah. crazy... He's one of the greatest... Long, it doesn't mean no one's ever going to get hurt or have an injury, nor was he probably even training as good as he could have. You seen it? But the point is that Kobe, he finished his last game with like 60 points. He was no, <laughs> he was no shit athlete by the end. He was still athletic by the end. Yeah. And for a basketball player, Kobe had no major knee injuries. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine playing 100 games a year for 20 years with no major knee injuries? Yeah. But he was the most balanced. So... So someone like this, so much force is going in that, yes, that is much better than trying to block, you know, that block step. Mm -hmm. And so his technique is still way safer and way better. But I had him practicing also the opposite plant. And like on reverse step ups, his right leg, way stronger than his left leg. All I really did was just help him with some basic shit. You see what I mean? So Mm -hmm. that's, I helped him with some basic shit. He didn't have knee surgery. He's actually an excellent trainer and coach himself. Now I'd recommend anyone to him. You know what I mean? He's his own man, and 99% of his result is from jumping. What have you seen um, in terms of, I mean, you know, obviously it has a, it looks amazing when you apply it to basketball, you know, and obviously there's a place for it in volleyball, and a lot of sports don't really seem like they require much of a jumping skill, but I would imagine like all the things that go into jumping can massively improve any sport that's at my gym right there whether it be powerlifting, olympic lifting boxing jujitsu like it seems like because of the explosiveness <laughs> what have you seen from some people that they let's let's say you just have somebody that uh you know has a vertical like you did when you came, when you first started and and you bring them up and they play a sport like rugby or they play football where jumping's not like a main requirement all the time what have you kind of seen from some people i mean again i think that the plyometrics can be overdone. You know, if you think about plyometric force, it doesn't only mean jumping, just the running, the cutting, the, you know, like, like if, so for, for someone in rugby, they tend to then often try to overdo the plyometrics because my, my current mentor, Keegan Smith is Australian. I've worked with actually some of the top rugby players in the world. And yeah, they're obsessive about doing their power training as well. I think it's something that can be done slightly better. Mm -hmm. Um, it's something I'm actively experimenting with right now. I, I'm, I have, I, I've told you how I kind of have like this like three level system to just kind of gradually build these qualities. And I'm working on like a fourth level of like genetic potential. Like what could you really see that you're capable of where you would, how would you add in sprints? And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it'd be kind of like an optional fourth level. So I think that sprinting is one of the foundational ones that it doesn't matter what sport you play. It's a lot of force. I think this ability to run as fast as you can with no pain or limitation. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I I think sprinting would be like the most elemental one, in my opinion. Um, And jumping might be a little nicer than, uh, I mean, I'm just thinking in my head, I think it'd be maybe harder to fuck yourself up with jumping versus sprinting. Yeah. I mean, they both can go wrong for sure. Yeah. I think, and and again, I don't want to say, most of the things I've said on here, I'm like very sure of. So I don't want to say something and someone like takes it. Yeah, yeah. I do think something as simple as, so like with these rugby guys, there's a big obsession with like box jumping, okay? Mm. Now, the difference, powerlifting, rugby, they have to do so much deceleration. So I'm not really as concerned with it. It's a great, like that's a great explosive effort, but it's not approximating then the the landing and stuff like that. So I do use some drills, like I'll give you a simple example of a drill. Just stand there, jump as high as you can, then try to do your depth jump on one leg. Mm. So it's self-limiting because you're only landing from as high as you can jump. Yeah. And then you're doing a rebound jump on one leg. So 
I don't have anything where I'm like, people should do depth jumps. You know what I mean? Right. right. And in fact, I did more of these two up, one down jumps. And I think that's why I can do the depth jumps when I do demos. I don't do depth jumps for training. I do it to demo. If I've done something in training more, it's this two up, one down jump. What is is that? So it's, it's. You jump down from one thing and jump on to another. No, no. So, so I'll, I'll show you a low level one, right? Mm Mm-hmm. All right. One second. So I, I think this is superior for like rugby and stuff to do climbing. You jump, land, right? So you should, see, that was a lot of force. All right, think about a depth jump. So let's say I jump a few feet in the air, but now I'm having to rebound on one leg. That's a ton of force. Mm-hmm. But it's keeping me balanced between sides. It's putting a ton of force, but it's kind of self-limiting. Like, how do you know what you should depth jump from? Jimmy? Right, right. And guess what a box jump does not do at all? Yeah. I've never been a fan of box jumps. I've always thought, like, why not just jump straight up in the air and just see watch. what you can demonstrate there? Watch the knee. Okay. So. So he's jumping off of both legs, yep. and he's landing on one leg and then doing a second jump yep. on that same leg. So this would be this would be plyometrics to prevent ACL. Right. Box jump would be plyometrics to create ACL. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, because you're cre- that's the power side of it. Right. But then not being able to handle your own power. Of course we want the power, but we've got to be able to handle it. Right. So it doesn't mean, it's not like the shit athletes are the only ones carrying their ACL. Or Derek Rose, you know, his mm-hmm. name is ACL. Absolutely. He's the basketball players ever. But, but this is not the predictor of the ACL. That is. You know mm-hmm. So there, it's self-limiting. A kid could do it. My mom could go like that. You see what I'm saying? So it has that zero to infinity quality, meaning like, meaning like every kid on the team could jump a little bit Right. Yeah. Even if your knee hurts, you would just your computer, your brain, your mind would say, "Hey, you know, let's only jump this high to see how it goes first. Exactly. You're not gonna, so, you know, so do your weight room development and build yeah. your power. You know what I mean? But but this is like such a, a simple drill of like, could you handle your own time? And again, right. I'm cold. It actually it actually hurts right here. You know when you're like cold. Oh yeah, yeah. Swing mm-hmm. your arms. Yeah. But my point is that I'm doing that. There's no pain. I'll jump up and do dunks and land on one leg. It's uh, auto-regulating. It's like writing itself because you you wouldn't load up a bench press, um, you know, you wouldn't load up a bench press with 700 pounds. You know, you're going to, yep. there's going to be a certain amount of weight. and You can can, only land your own jump. And you can always, you could, there's always potential to like hurt yourself, I guess. But like, I, I like, I like that because I think. If we were to tell people like, hey, you know, Joel Green came on our show and he talked about sprinting and you should go out and just sprint. Well, <laughs> I just think that, you know, a sprint is just it's it's probably been a long time since anyone's jumped. It's probably been a long time since anyone's done a sprint, but without any limiter on it, without any limiting factor. And you say, hey, just sprint for 10 seconds. 10 seconds is a really long time to sprint. <laughs> the likelihood someone's going to blow out a hamstring or have some sort of accident on the curb or something like that is, is fairly high. It's so extremely you, high. So you, you have know, to 50, give 60% or something. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. If you said, Hey, you know, uh, you know, go, yeah, go at like 60% or something would be a great start. Mm-hmm. In this case, you don't have to really even say that it's kind of yeah. automatic. And I, I like when stuff is built in it's like automatic. That. You can start at a young age for the record. I've taken an NBA player and fixed chronic knee pain with that and got them doing dunks that they couldn't do before in years of all their fancy training. You know why? 
I don't have time. I don't have, all right. When practice finishes, just do 10 fucking one of those on your weak leg. Mm-hmm. Just fucking jump up and land on your weak leg 10 times after practice. That's it. Within weeks, jumping higher, knee pain gone. That, that's great for all sports. <laughs> I think that as a plyometric drill yeah. would be far superior for people like rugby. And the, but, but even if they want, I only don't like box jumps because the risk of falling, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I actually love, it's super fucking fun. I actually love it's just the risk of falling and because of the fact that I'd rather be the most resilient guy and then go play my sport. There's a lot of, uh, you know, pushing and there's a lot of contact in rugby. Would you maybe apply that to some grappling sports as well, like jujitsu and maybe wrestling and things like that? Anybody can do that. Right, right. And then if you look at the research on that shit, that's eccentric training to build our tendons too. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. An extreme example would be like this girl, right? That wouldn't be someone, something to start with. I I forget her name. Jessica. Jessica. Okay. That wouldn't be good for Jessica to start with, but shit, if she would have been doing that when she was younger, I bet she wouldn't have had that knee injury. Right. That should be an elemental, fundamental sport thing. You're going to go play in a game, you better at least be able to land from your own jump, you know? And and a lot of people don't realize that top athletes are often landing through one leg. So even if we look at Derrick Rose's ACL, sure, there are freak injuries, but his wasn't, okay? In his career, prior to that point, he had only planted through that left leg and he would often land on one leg through the left leg. So he did a routine move that he should have landed through the right leg. Mm. Couldn't, like mentally flipped out and then brought the other one in. Boom. It should have been an easy, like you see, I did it on either leg. Mm-hmm. Right. Like either, but dude, if you jump as high as you can and you land on one leg and then test the other leg, there's a very high likelihood for people that one side will have issue compared to the other. Yeah. And our injury risk is not only in relation to being weak, but also in relation to being imbalanced, meaning it's our own strength can fuck our own weakness. <laughs> See what I mean? It, yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. your strengths and weaknesses, uh, they run parallel and they sometimes collide into each other and they pull and push from each other. You know, you're, you're trying to be the strongest in the world and you maybe at the very beginning had the intentions of starting this whole thing out as being a practice that will help make you healthier. But as you keep going down that, you know, as you keep going down that journey or whether it be bodybuilding, you know, there's a lot of PEDs and so forth that are involved in bodybuilding. And so maybe your goal to be healthier and to be more fit or, or even CrossFit, it just completely disappears. Now your wrist hurts, your ankles hurt, your elbows yeah. are messed up because. And all our sports have, you're going issues. for it. They're different yeah. in each sport, but we all, right. we're all wrecked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? That's yeah. the funniest thing because like with jujitsu, um, I get a lot of messages from people that strength train and want to do jujitsu or strength training and doing jujitsu. Um, and they have problems because they're so strong that they can get away doing things with horrible technique because of their strength, mm-hmm. right? So with some of those people, it's like, I'll suggest, hey, do a workout beforehand so that you go to jujitsu a little oh, bit wow. weaker, right? And because of that, you're, almost, you're forced yeah, that's to use cool. good technique. That's, you're that's forced really to like, cool. you know, get better in that way. Yeah, I, I love that too, because I think people are so freaked out about what their maximum is and stuff, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it goes in every sport, right? Oh man, I'm, I'm worried about being sore for the game or whatever. Like, like, you know how you'll probably have like the game of your life? Do like some fucking Nordics before they get, you know what I mean? Because then you'll go out and you won't be so worried about everything being so damn serious. Because when you see the top guys, man, they are, even when Jordan was in his toughest mode, man, he was just having fun. Mm. He was just gaming. He wasn't worried about shit. You know what I mean? So I found that for guys, training in season, for example, is huge. And I don't care. Yeah. Have sore quads. You'll probably have the game of your life. Mm -hmm. Probably like, "Mm, I feel those puppies. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Like, and you won't be so, it's almost like, 
it's almost like, wow, look what I did even, you know, with a work, like it, it mm-hmm. you know, rather than being so stressed about it. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we've covered, we've covered a, a lot. lot of good shit. I lo- but you can see, I love that jumping one, but it's not like something that I've been able to put as many people through as the, as the training. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's something that just everyone should do, but I think shit for athletes and start them when they're young, I, scientifically, you can just build way more resiliency. And if you look at the research on depth jumping, like that force, mm. right? Like, dude, I grew up thinking that all these like thousands of repetitions would work. I would have been better off doing 10 good, good ones of those and causing some actual adaptation rather than just like Mark was saying earlier, just more jumping and more, you know what I mean? Like if I would have just gotten stronger, done shit like that, I would have been dunking back in high school. You mentioned earlier, um, you know, your, your parents, and it sounds like your parents were there for you, uh, quite a bit growing up. Um, what kind of influence did they have on you? Cause it sounds like, you know, at, at 12 and 13 and 14, man, like that's a really rough time period to not be able to chase after your dreams. You want to be a basketball player. That's what you love to do. And your parents had to, uh, how, how they, they still believed in me. It's beyond me. <laughs> they never told me I wasn't going to make it as a basketball player. And you know that they're talking about it and they're probably thinking like, man, he thinks he's going to be a basketball player, but they probably never shared anything like that with you. They never, ever (laughs) didn't believe in my insane goal. And now that's led me to be a lot more successful than I even thought I could be doing what Mm -hmm. I do now, you know, but, um, yeah, dude, that I never got even a sense from them that they didn't think I could do that, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And, and, And you would think the logical thing to do would be, Oh, you got to get sensible. You got to, you know what I mean? You got to go to college. You got to, yeah. You got to do all these things. <laughs> I, yeah, it, I'm so much more successful than if I would have been like gone the college exercise science route. It's absolutely absurd. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like I'm doing things that just wouldn't have been possible. And I don't just mean like physically in terms of my business and everything else. Like I've, yeah. Uh, and yeah, my, my mom's the hardest working person I know. Uh, she takes no days off. Mm. ever she doesn't she works morning to night every single day mm-hmm. <laughs> her and my dad will go on little dates you know i think that's an important thing is to to go spend time with that but she just doesn't to get her to take a vacation or something is like pulling teeth <laughs> yeah um and and she still keeps working she brings her so she runs the customer service for my business she's absolute beast mm-hmm. um she's not the kind of person that probably like uh like needs motivation like she's just no. doing she's just doing shit all day long right yeah she's purpose driven right she believes that you can just be purpose driven and i you know i see different things and i see you know i'm i would consider myself part of grind culture you know grind and i see a lot of people bashing grind and talking about grind and it's like dude like i think guys like you and i we respect however whatever works for somebody else mm-hmm. but fuck i just wouldn't have gotten to the goals that i wanted to get i mean this is what works for me and it's what makes me happy mm. you know so everyone's different my mom's now in her late 60s you know still grind culture. she's not burnt out in fact she's the opposite of burnt out you know what i mean like so yeah. there are different kind of people i think you have to assess for yourself what works for you yeah to me my wife like she's like an alien like she doesn't need uh motivation either and i don't and- I don't particularly like always need motivation, but I do like to get some inspiration yeah, sometimes. I need more than my mom. I'm, sh- I like watching YouTube yeah. videos and they mm-hmm. get me fired up or just kind of dabbling in some yeah. new stuff. But my wife, 
She'll watch the trashiest, worst television you can think of, <laughs> stuff that just rots your brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, she reads the worst, <laughs> the worst books. I mean, none of them are like, you know, they have nothing to do with business or anything. But whenever we sit down and have a meeting in here or whatever it is, she always knows what to do. And she's yeah. like, usually always right. And I'm like, this is so yeah. annoying. Like, who my, is this? My wife's, what's the deal with this fucking person? My wife's better at business than me, too. <laughs> so my wife is the COO of my business. And then my mom runs all the customer service. And my dad is the guy who has the call with me to tell me about the impending doom that I'm going to face if I don't fix X. Like he sees the future. And then, <laughs> so yeah, we have we have a really fine tuned business because of them. Like I, I, I would be an utter I'd have great knees and <laughs> utter business ruin if it weren't. Are you uh, maybe not that organized? No, I'm pretty organized. I am so focused on the process. You know what I mean? So you're in it. Yeah, but from from whatever I, I I really love working with other people and recognizing when someone's good at something, you know what I mean? And using different, different team players for stuff. Great. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, my, my parents are, uh, yeah, it, it still shocks me that they, you know, I'd be doing some run of the mill job, you know, making a 10th of what I make if, if they had tried to make me, you know, more conservative. It's pretty wild. Do you think you're going to be able to believe in your, do you have more than one kid? Just my first kid. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. Do you, do you think you're going to be able to have that same level of confidence? Oh, yeah. With, yeah on, unwavering confidence, no matter how pathetic your kid looks at doing something sometimes. <laughs> if I can be the knee guy, that kid can do whatever the fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I like that. Like, what, what would have been, like, the number one thing <laughs> that would be, like, impossible would be that I would, you know, I, I mean, it's... Anyone listening this this far into it probably doesn't care. I hate talking about business <laughs> stuff, but yeah, I have like no one's listening. It's okay. I, <laughs> I, I have twenty full time staff. We're a well oiled wow. machine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I make more money than I ever dreamed I could make as a trainer. You know, um, so and I'm doing that as the knee guy. <laughs> like that was the downfall of my fucking life. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everyone knew me as like the failed knee guy who like didn't make it in his knees, and and then all of a sudden it's like, what the fuck, this guy's playing college basketball what happened you know what i mean mm-hmm. and then and then that led to people wanting to i never even thought i would be a trainer you know and your then, weakness can be your strength sometimes exactly so that's <laughs> my point is that yeah my kid i'm also trying to raise him like naturally as hell he's five months old and i spend three hours a day with it we do 90 minutes outside so we go for like a like a three mile walk every day he's on my chest best part of my day i'm yeah. i'm driving straight i already told the guy who met me this morning, I can like, picture you trying to have him walk backwards and shit. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I already <laughs> told the guy who who let me in this morning that I'm shooting straight through. That way, I can just go back home to my kid. But I mm-hmm. like to, I believe in like a more primitive way, you know, of raising your kid. So he spends no screen time. Yeah, you know, we do 90 minutes outside. Um, soon he'll be able to like do shit, and we do 90 minutes inside. He's on his, you know, he's on his belly on the. Ma- he's like exercising, you know. He's just like so. That's kind of that's my strategy. Yeah. I, I think. I think it's going to be so hard in today's world to raise a kid that my strategy is to take the responsibility and spend three hours a day, man time with him every day. You know, it's, it's going to be a long journey. Have you ever heard of uh, Brent, Ben Greenfield before? I've, I've heard of him. Yeah. Ben does a lot of stuff with his children where he's, I mean, he's in the, they, they're just do what, what he does and they eat his, eat the same food and everything. He's got them. You know, he's got them eating meat and he's got them hanging out in the sauna with him. He's got them doing cold plunges. They literally, you know, and he just tells them like, this is good for me. This is what I like to do for my body. And this is important. 
and he has them doing this kind of stuff uh kind of all day long and they do manual labor stuff they i love that I love they that. dig ditches they chop wood they do like it's we feel better when we work and produce man it's mm-hmm. awesome i mean uh you know uh just my hat goes off to him because that is a a huge commitment but what an amazing way to r- raise your children that you that's know? what i'm trying to do is raise it like i'm imagining it like i'm out you know uh with my hunter gatherer tribe and I got to teach him how to hunt and I got to show him how to live. And you know what I mean? And, and he'll tag along with, you know what I mean? Like, um, it's not going to hurt him to know all that shit. Exactly. <laughs> it's only yeah. going to benefit him. Exactly. And so I, you know, I believe all kinds of crazy goals can come true and it's the journey, you know, like you don't even know what's, I feel like if you're not following your heart though, like you never know what no, the hell. Also, is your, is your kid going to cry? You know, when you go and chop wood, of course, of course. He yeah. Is. yeah. He's going to cry. I don't want to do it, dad. You know? And, but you know they they learn and they see the other maybe they're different maybe you have another kid and they see the other kid doing it or, or a friend yeah and you just you learn and you learn like I fucking hate to chop wood like yeah. I you learn stuff and mm-hmm. there's gonna be other stuff that you really like yeah one hundred percent yeah so I'm I'm anticipating it being very tough to raise you know what I mean to to raise a kid who's like actually prepared for the world and not a wuss you know not right. delusional and so yeah that's my that's my strategy is to take responsibility for it. You guys have any more questions? Just can't wait for no. to get some video stuff. Yeah, yeah I'm I'll, excited too. I was going to ask you, Mark, what um, mid podcast you put something in your coffee? What was that? Oh, I uh, <laughs> used some of this. Uh, the podcast happens to be sponsored by these guys too. It's an interesting what? question there, Andrew. <laughs> by Element, and I used my chocolate Element. I dumped it right straight. In okay, my I'm hearing about this stuff everywhere. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. fantastic. Got to be good. It's it great. So. I'm looking yeah, forward we'll to give you something to dump into your I, water. I also got to say from this, so like, I, <laughs> oh yeah, let's get the, all right. how do you feel, man? I, I probably slept two hours last night. Ooh. Oh shit. I was, I have, they booked me for nine videos. You guys realize this, right? Yes. <laughs> you, you also realize that I don't talk about shit. I fucking do it. Okay. So I basically have like nine workouts with my body. So I was going through pages and pages last night, getting it down to like my key points for the videos and Slept like two hours, but this thing fucking works. The mind bullet launched yeah. you into outer space. It, yeah, great. it actually works. I had a few lapses that you need to remove that I, you know, <laughs> non-politically correct, whatever the hell. <laughs> the, the chode thing, you got to take that. Why? It's so good. <laughs> the great thing is it was live, so it's out there. <laughs> I just know someone's going to have like a viral video of only that and miss out on everything helpful that I said in this. So, you know, no, nah, it's all it's all good. Uh, it'll yeah. be publicity yeah. yeah no but but yeah th- this was really cool i gotta look into this yeah i go real simple with the diet stuff right now but mm-hmm. i've been like low-key studying the crap out of mark and just kind of <laughs> copying him on the diet stuff and it's i've never felt stronger and leaner at the same time yeah Sick. which for basketball you know what i mean so yeah it's good but now the now the problem is i keep seeing these videos i'm like Man, I want to actually like start putting on some muscle. You know? uh, sensei Charles Poliquin used to always say, like, if you're a guy and you're uh, above 10% body fat, no carbs. <laughs> very, <laughs> yeah. sh- very strict rules. You know, he, he was he was uh, he was pretty brutal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he would. Yeah, man, we had, that would be another one. For another day. <laughs> I, uh, I hit up Kelly Stratton. I let him know that you're uh, you're on the show today. And he's he said, that's awesome. He's like, just make sure that he knows that my knees are more handsome than his and more tan, <laughs> but he's got a great message. So he wanted you uh, to know that his knees are, are better looking than yours, which I, I you know, I don't know. We, he's a good looking guy. Yeah. I'm we not can lie. Yeah. We can compare him. I, I yeah. got to hustle for my, you know, I had to yeah. hustle to get my wife. He's I, look, 
his knees are definitely better looking than mine. But honestly, <laughs> honestly, that means a ton because in this space, I mean, that's a guy that I've only looked up to and never had any, you know, amazing personal right? communication to. So to hear that from him is pretty mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. Yeah. He likes to wear short shorts too. So I don't mm-hmm. know. We could probably compare, <laughs> get some uh, pictures or something. Yeah. Some A-B comparison. All right, Andrew, take us on out of here, buddy. I will. A uh, huge shout out and thank you to Element for sponsoring today's episode. Mark was drinking it mid-podcast. We're probably going to be drink, <laughs> sipping on it all day long, filming nine videos. That's insane. Uh, for more information on them, check the links down in the uh, podcast show notes as well as YouTube uh, description. Uh, you can head over to drinklmnt.com slash powerproject. <laughs> the, the free uh, recharge pack is still available. Or you can hit up the uh, the value bundle, which is what we get, because you pay for three boxes and you get a fourth one free. Please make sure you're following the podcast at Mark Bell's Power Project on Instagram, at MB Power Project on Twitter. My Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse is at I am Andrew Z. And Seema, where are you at? Instagram, tw- uh, Clubhouse, at Seema Inyang. No. Yeah. Yeah. He's a toes guy? Ben, where can they find you? <laughs> Just search it in whatever you want. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Knees over toes. Fantastic. Thank you so much for the information today. We appreciate you spending your time with us and I'm looking forward to uh, getting involved in some of these exercises and uh, see if I can exercise my right knee to some better health. Strength is never a weakness. Weakness never strength. Catch you guys later.